Every fan knows the right player in the right position can be a game changer. Put LifeLock between your identity and identity thieves to monitor and alert you to threats you could miss. Plus, with a U.S.-based restoration specialist on your team, you won't have to face drained accounts, fraudulent loans, or other losses from identity theft alone. All backed by the LifeLock Million Dollar Protection Package. Change the game on identity theft. Save up to 25% your first year at LifeLock.com slash aware. It's time to add some spice to your nooner. Nooner. <laughs> Funny. This is the place where big-time guests, bold opinions, and little cute doggies come together. This, this is Rothman and Ice. Sponsored by Pella Columbus. Windows and doors that go beyond. Uh, and here we go. Welcome in to another edition. Yeah, that's right. Get me, CB. Of Rothman and Ice. I'm Matty Ice. To my left, I got our guy, Dave Biddle from Bucknuts.com. Host here on The Fan. Bids, it's great to see you, man. How you been? I've been great, Ice Man. Good to be with you. Hope AR's doing okay, but uh, always good to be hosting a show with you. A lot to get into, as it turns out, oh, my friend. Oh, man. A lot going on here in our city. Yeah, AR, uh, when you hang out with you 2 as much as he was hanging out with you 2 and doing all the partying with them after the concert at the Sphere, that's going to catch up to you eventually. <laughs> so we got to wish our guy well. He fought through it for a couple of days and unfortunately woke up this morning and uh, wasn't able to go. Before we dive into everything that's happening in our city, because, man, between yesterday and this morning, there's a lot going on. And it's exciting to talk about um, for us, even though for our hockey team, we got a lot of work to do. But here's the menu that we have laid out for you today. We're going to talk to Jared Dubin at 133. He covers the NFL for CBS at 2 o'clock. Jean-Luc Grandpierre covers the CBJ very well for Bally Sports. He will hop on to talk about the news that broke today, and we do it every Thursday at this time, 233. We will talk to Dan Dockich about the Holtman situation and everything happening around college basketball. So you wake up this morning, you're getting your day going as a Jackets fan, and you catch wind of the parting of ways with general manager Yarmo Kekalainen and the Columbus Blue Jackets. Yarmo was here for 11 seasons. He was hired back in February of 2013. I think the a similar vibe to what we saw yesterday with the basketball team for Ohio State has spilled over to nationwide with the hockey team to where you can look at a guy like Yarmo and you can identify some positives, right? Some of the guys he brought in, the Panarin trade, we'll always have that Tampa sweep. That's going to be an enjoyable moment for a lot of the fifth liners to think about. But Bids, you know how this business works. When you have an 11-year run and five out of your 11 seasons, you don't make the postseason, but more importantly, the last few seasons and one that we're currently in right now, the results have been pretty negative. Now, there's been injuries and things that are baked into that. If you want to add a lot of context into it, but at the end of the day, those guys are getting paid handsomely to cook up positive results. I'm not surprised by this news. I, it always had a feel to me recently over the last year and a half, specifically the last few months, that some type of change needed to happen. And now here we are with that some type of change. But even though we can look at this situation and turn the page, flip the page a little bit, 
I think all of us can agree that this franchise has a lot to clean up to really get this thing headed in the right direction. Bids, your reaction to the news this morning that Yarmo Kekalainen is no longer the general manager of the Columbus Blue Jackets? The timing is just interesting because it was like hours after the Chris Holtman firing, you know, next day, but it just felt like it was just like, I mean, it was literally less than 24 hours. So, but I had the similar feeling I did with Holtman. Like initially, it was like surprising because of the timing. Like I just, I had no doubt Holtman was going to be fired at the end of the season. And now you think about it, it makes sense, though, because why firing him then, now Ohio State can just completely focus on finding the next coach. Same thing with the Jackets. I think they got to the point where they just knew they were going to fire Yarmo at the end of the season. Why wait? Now you can go full board to try and find your next GM. I do wonder if JD's safe because you could argue, you know, he's as responsible as everything that Yarmo was, even though JD did leave for a couple of years. So maybe that's going to save him. But um, we'll see, man. I am still optimistic about the future because, you know, yes, the Blue Jackets have been, you know, overall a disaster since they've been a team. But we've never seen a young core like this, though. We've never seen a young core. Not They're not even all up yet. They've, they've stocked up draft picks. That Seth Jones trade was great, as you mentioned. It wasn't all... Yarma wasn't like terrible. Um, I guess overall he was, but uh, he made some good moves too. So, but they have stocked up young talent um, through the draft. They'll have another draft, good draft pick this year. We'll see how high. But um, I'm optimistic about the future. They it, not necessarily this next season, but maybe the season after that, they can then be a contender with this young core. They've got to find a good GM, and then they've got to find a good head coach. There's definitely that type of vibe when it comes to the young core. I'm with you on that, CB. Let's hear from JD for the folks that are just now hopping on, maybe going to lunch or, or whatever. It may be there was a press conference that started roughly about a half hour ago and John Davidson spoke to the media. Here he is on how tough this decision was. This decision was difficult because of the quality of the person that Yarmo is. He's a dedicated, loyal, hardworking guy who did a lot of great things, both on the ice and in our community over the past decade. Okay, so that, that that's all great, right? Because at the end of the day, when you, you zoom out from the hockey stuff, we are dealing with humans. I understand that. I will always acknowledge that. But for a lot of us, we don't know. <laughs> we didn't know Yarmo on a personal level like JD. So for, for a lot of people, they hear that, and I think they respect that. But there's always going to be the yeah, but attached to, well, what were the results? And as you highlighted, it's been rough. It absolutely has been rough. And I think now... From at least some of the Jacket fans that I that I talk to and a lot of people that go to the games. And look, shout out to the Blue Jacket fan base because because of even regardless of all the bad things that have been happening, this Blue Jacket fan base has showed up more times than not and created a very, very good atmosphere over there for these games. So the fan base deserves a lot and they deserve a lot more than what they've been given. I know for a lot of us, the frustration can be rooted in the the constant selling of what the future is. And it feels like I know from some people that I talk to biz that there's this kind of the feel of kicking the can down the road and just kind of stick with us, stick with us, stick with us. We've got this, we've got that. And that can be frustrating to hear because at the end of the day, you want to be in a, 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 a franchise that a lot of people respect. And I don't know if there's a lot of teams or fan bases that look at the Jackets right now and have a ton of respect. So for you to kind of talk in the front office members over there that, look, I understand they're grinding. It's easier said than done. But now we've kind of turned into the Philadelphia 76ers from years ago where they were telling their fan base, stick with us, trust the process, trust the process. And you heard JD today, if you mentioned, if you missed it, he laid out, I don't know if we use the word process enough. 
And while I can acknowledge that that's real, sometimes that can fall on deaf ears when you hear that over and over and over again. So it's just time for this franchise to get their act together and check off some important boxes as you laid out. Because I have to imagine that because of the young talent that is in this system right now, and it looks like we're going to be picking very high again in the next draft, that this could be attractive for the next GM in line. And so... It's just kind of put up or shut up time when it comes to results with the Columbus Blue Jackets. If this is if they're calling this the process, does that mean Adam Fantilli is our Joel Embiid? I mean, that's a lot to put on That'd be Fantilli. Nice. That'd be <laughs> That'd nice. Be nice. <laughs> and I think Fantilli's going to be a star. That I agree. Was a I agree. Heck of a great pick. And normally we we're all upset that they got the number three pick and they didn't get Bedard. And Bedard, I get, is a, a superstar already. Both those guys are hurt, but. Still, normally, from all of my Blue Jacket friends who are just absolute diehards, they're like, in a typical draft, Fantilli would have been the number one overall pick. It was just a strong draft. So to get him third overall was really nice. And they've got, you know, a host of other talented young guys. So, yeah, again, I'm, you know, maybe it's foolish on my part, but I'm optimistic. Now, I think that they're... They better get this right because the you're I mean they do have a very loyal fan base. The Blue Jackets fans that I know, like they're so loyal. Mm-hmm. They're so loyal. You know, Ryan Baker who works here and I've got you know many other friends that are just diehard uh, Blue Jackets fans. But I think, you know, you better be careful as you're talking about when you're talking about like kicking the can down the road. They are our fans are loyal. They're going to stick with us like that. You know, they're, everybody reaches a breaking point. Yeah. So, but again though, they're not that far away as as crazy as it sounds. Find a good general manager, find a good head coach. You've got this young talent, and you know within maybe two years, they can be a playoff team. It can happen fast in sports, right? What you're highlighting is you know the hitting on the draft picks and having those guys turn into not all of them need to be stars, but if you can have a couple glue guys that you're drafting and then hit on, obviously, a couple stars, that can take you a very long way. So this front office has some very interesting contract situations that are on deck when it, you look at some of the restricted free agents that are going to be available or not available to certain teams, depending on the way you look at it. Do you go down the road of some of these veteran guys that may be able to bring you assets back and help out your future? I think the worst thing or one of the worst things a franchise uh, positions of where a franchise can be in bids is when you're maybe on two different tracks, right, where you're torn roster-wise. And for me, for our Jackets, it's felt a little bit to me like what the Golden State Warriors did a few years ago. Remember, they still have their their core guys and some veteran guys, but they went and drafted some young guys. And people were saying, well, which track are you on? Are you going with the veteran guys or are you going with the young guys? And to me, they're similar vibe right now with our Jackets. And I am always a fan of... When you're in that position, handing the keys over to the young guys. And I know J.D. talked about this again today, and he's talked about it with us on Hockey and Hounds a few times, that young guys, if you have a roster loaded with young guys, they're going to take their lumps, and sometimes that can work in a bad way to really stunt the growth of their players. But I also think it can stunt the growth of the franchise as well if you have different financial situations going on and all of that. So to me, they just need to clean that up. And I'm in favor of going super young with this franchise moving forward, getting all the draft capital you can, getting a GM in here that you think is going to get this thing rolling in the right direction, and kind of just starting from the bottom and grinding our way back up to the top if we can get there. Yeah, I mean, I think our Reds have experienced this, where it's like, as a Reds fan, you're like, they're not, now, you know, 
in 2022, they were out. They finally they finally committed to a rebuild. But as you know, Maddie, for years it was like they're kind of half in, half out, yeah. right? I think that's what you're getting at. Is like we don't need the Blue Jackets to be like we're half in, half out. Commit to the rebuild. Go one way. Go exactly. one way. And yeah. so I want to read this statement from ownership because ownership, they weren't there today. But here's a statement from Blue Jackets majority owner and governor John P. McConnell. On behalf of our ownership group, I'd like to thank Yarmo for his hard work and commitment over the past 11 years. He and Tina and their daughters are special people who will always be a part of our Blue Jackets family, and I wish them the very best in the next chapter of their lives. So look, I think that's a pretty by-the-book statement in a situation like this. I don't think we've ever seen you know ownership uh, parted ways with somebody kind of dunk on them on the way out, and I know there was a question today excuse me, asked about why ownership wasn't there and they just gave a statement and they kind of took us down this road of, well, this is why it's an attractive job because, you know, they kind of stay out of the way and let people do their thing and empower people. I understand that. But part of me bids in situations like this, when you're getting rid of your GM, and I don't know where they are in the world, I don't know if they're around or anything like that. I know there's people, though, that want more from this ownership group when it comes to kind of just standing up in front of everyone and just speaking and letting us know really what's on your mind and not having these other figures kind of speak for you. So I know that's kind of been a frustrating thing for the fan base that we're not getting ownership group out in front behind a microphone in situations like this. Yeah, it's it's so interesting because like we you don't want an ownership group that's like two hands on right that's meddling that's in the locker room that's like like david tepper with the panthers like you know i'm pretty sure frank reich wanted cj stroud and i think david tepper went no i want bryce young like <laughs> but the, there's a fine line like the mcconnell's are like taking it too far like they're they're like two hands off so yeah i'm with you they need to at least get more involved and, and maybe they're just ticked off now it seemed like the whole mike babcock thing was even though they didn't discipline them at the time yarmo mm-hmm. or jd um, they stuck with them. You could tell that was that they they that ticked them off how that all worked out. They were already they didn't need any more bad PR. They didn't need to hire a coach that had a lot of baggage. And then you're going to have to fire in a month. Yeah. That that was bad. So I do feel like the McConnells probably will get a little bit more involved at this point. We shall see. I hope so. I, I hope so. And this the unfortunate part of this news today is it kind of overshadowed a pretty cool story that did come out involving the Jackets because it was announced that on Saturday, March 1st of 2025, the Jackets are going to be over there at the shoe playing a hockey game against the Detroit Red Wings. So that's something encouraging and something positive today. But the big news is Yarmo Kekalainen no longer the general manager of the Columbus Blue Jackets and programming note we we will talk to Jean-Luc Grandpierre at 2 o'clock about this move and a lot more. When we come back, we had the news yesterday about Chris Holtman no longer being the basketball coach for Ohio State. What did Gene Smith have to say about all those? You'll hear from him next. It's Rothman and Ice right here on The Fan. If you've recently seen a photo of an older Baker Mayfield fresh off a bender, it's just Bo Bishop. Bishop and Friends. Weekdays from 9 to noon. The Fan. Every fan knows the right player in the right position can be a game changer. Put LifeLock between your identity and identity thieves to monitor and alert you to threats you could miss. Plus, with a U.S.-based restoration specialist on your team, you won't have to face drained accounts, fraudulent loans, or other losses from identity theft alone. All backed by the LifeLock Million Dollar Protection Package. Change the game on identity theft. Save up to 25% your first year at LifeLock.com aware. 
Like Yoda, Rothman will limp onto the golf course, talk about how stiff his back is, wonder how he can even make it through a hole, and then proceed to kick your ass. You're listening to Rothman and Ice. My man's built different. My man AR is built different. Welcome back in. This is Rothman and Ice. I'm Matty Ice. Got our guy Dave Biddle filling in for AR today. The Vegas bug finally took over for my boy, unfortunately, so we will wish him well. We know he will be back sooner rather than later. So, Bid's a very, very active sports kind of actions we got going on in our city uh, over the last 24 hours. We started with the news that broke this morning about the Columbus Blue Jackets parting ways with general manager Yarmo Kekalainen. Again, programming note, we'll talk to John Luke Grandpierre at 2 o'clock more about that. You'll hear from J.D. throughout the show as well. But yesterday, the big news for us was the firing of Chris Holtman. And I guess the timing for some could be a bit surprising. I don't think the result for a lot of us was surprising. I think everyone on board can agree, and you've been around him, and I'm sure met him a couple times. That Chris Holmes is a good dude, man. He's a, a very good dude, and I think for a lot of programs, that's what you want. Is you want good men leading the charge that really care about their players and all those other things that we hear about. And I think Coach Holtman was that. But the bottom line is, when you look at what has transpired here within this conference, the last couple of seasons, you're looking at right now a 9-25 and record in Big Ten play. And even zooming out from that, this basketball program hasn't gotten beyond the second round. And then you had that massive first-round upset a couple years ago. So, Biz, we talked a ton about this yesterday. I want to give you the floor, and I can't wait to hear your reaction uh, to what we found out yesterday that Chris Holtman is no, no longer the basketball coach for the Buckeyes. Yeah, I thought it was inevitable, like I'm sure everybody, that he was going to lose his job um, at the end of the season at the latest, and, and that's what I expected would happen, which is why it was a little surprising, the timing. But then the more I thought about it, it makes a lot of sense from Ohio State's standpoint. If you've made the decision already, like there's no way we're bringing him back no matter what. Even if they do another meaningless run in the Big Ten tournament to get to like the semifinals, like, which is, you know... Again, it's meaningless. Like it doesn't matter. We're not bringing him back. So how about we just let him go now, and we can now. You know, Ross Bjork has nothing else going on. <laughs> I mean, he now Ross Bjork can just fully focus on finding, and it won't be just his call, of course, but uh, can fully focus on working the back channels. You know, seeing if a guy like Lamont Paris is interested. He can't do anything right now. Is, is Lamont Paris interested? The South Carolina head coach, who uh, in his second year at South Carolina has turned a disaster into a top fifteen team. Also, was a good coach at Chattanooga, but. But does he have ties to Ohio? Yes. Born and raised in Ohio. Played college basketball in Ohio. Deep ties to the Big Ten. Uh, coached under Bo Ryan at Wisconsin as an assistant. So um, I really like Lamont Paris checks a lot of boxes for me. Um, but as far as like Chris Holtman losing his job, it had to happen. As you said, he's a nice guy. But, you know, um, this isn't JV high school basketball where it's like, oh, he's a nice guy. Let's just keep him on. He's a good teacher. Let's, let's keep him on. Yeah. No, this is big time college basketball. He was getting paid like $6 million a year or whatever it was. Five. Now he's going to get a $14 million uh, going away package to not coach. It's just, you know, yeah, he's a nice guy, but he, he it was just, you know, as Steve Hellwagon said to Gene Smith, I know Gene Smith didn't like this, but I thought it was perfectly said. The program has died on the vine the last couple of years, and Gene didn't like that, but 
It has. It has. And you can cite things like, oh, well, the NIT game against Akron against Mata, when Mata was here only had like 8,000 people. It's like, we're talking about Big Ten games. It's embarrassing going over there and seeing like 9,000 people for an Ohio State Indiana game. Like, it's just, so the program has kind of died on the vine. And, uh, but I don't think they're that far away. You bring in a good coach. Even Holtman came in his first year. No, no expectations. And they had a really good year that first year. Finished second in the Big Ten had a really good year. So, I think a good coach, you hire a good coach, they can come in and they can turn it around fast. Just look at Lamont Paris at South Carolina. He took over a disaster, was 11 and 21 last year, and now they're a top 15 team. You can turn things around fast in college basketball. No doubt about it. You mentioned Ross Bjork. He officially starts on the job as the new AD on July 1st, but we found out yesterday he will begin work at Ohio State on March 1st. Any interim role. So we shall see um, what he does. And I'm excited to see that next chapter after Gene Smith. Speaking of Gene Smith, he spoke to the media last night. And, you know, I mentioned, you know, question when it came to getting rid of Holtman was the timing of the move. And here's Gene on that. Something I obviously have been thinking about for a little bit. And, um, you know, I, I am so appreciative that Jake Diebler stepped up and accepted the challenge. Uh, that's not easy. I hope you guys appreciate that, that what he's doing is not easy. So my heart uh, is with him to a great degree. Uh, but we have a little runway. You have days between now and Sunday where you have time to accept the emotions of this moment and adjust and begin to coach our kids. I mean, there's some games where you only have two and a half days to recover. Actually, less than a, it's a day and a half because you get on a plane to go somewhere. So um, the runway uh, for him uh, is the best that it could possibly be when you're this deep in the season. So I'm so appreciative of uh, him just stepping up and, and being a warrior and uh, taking this on. And I'm sure he's excited about this opportunity. Look, they get welcome to the big leagues. You get Purdue in your first game as the interim head coach. But I am excited to see Bids, <laughs> like what he can do and what type of shifts we see. It can be a lot to change, a, you know, a great amount of things on the fly. I understand that. But now is your chance to show the, the man that we just heard and the guy that we just talked about in Ross Bjork that's going to take over that. Yeah, you guys can go do a search outside of the building, but don't forget about me either. And we see it all the time in sports where an interim coach will take over and that's like the, the team just gets a, a boost of energy. All of a sudden it's a, it's a clean slate and we see it all the time. Football, basketball, even in baseball, you'll see like a manager take over all of a sudden like a more bound team will, you know, go on like a eight game winning streak or something. So we'll see. Now, I, what I don't want to see happen, unless they're convinced he's the right guy, if they go on like a mini streak here to end the season, I don't want to hear like, let's promote Diebler to head coach. I just don't want to hear it. I, they, it, he That's was fair. the main assistant to Holtman, yeah. and this has been a disaster. And if they go in some little meaningless two, three week, you know, good stretch, I'm not saying if he wins out. If he wins out, okay, yeah. <laughs> now let's talk. But like seriously, like he was the main assistant to Holtman, and they've been completely substandard. That's not the guy that you want to then promote to be head coach from within when the program was not going well, just in my opinion. We talked about the Jackets off the top, and there were a lot of people, I believe, in the similar camp when we went from Torch to Lars. And while I think people had respect for Lars, it was kind of this, well, what's going to be different vibe, right? Because this was the guy that was attached to a guy that you just got rid of. So, a lot of moving pieces right now here in Columbus. Uh, It's very interesting for us to talk about. We'll hear more from Gene Smith later in the show. When we come back, we're going to effort Stephen Bardo. He 
covers college basketball, calls college basketball games uh, for the Big Ten Network, Peacock, and a lot more. We'll get his take on Ohio State, where they can go from this and everything around the sport after the break. It's Rothman and Ice right here on The Fan. We're the girthiest radio station in the history of radio. Uncomfortably girthy. This promo is uncomfortable. The Fan, Ohio's girth destiny. Every fan knows the right player in the right position can be a game changer. Put LifeLock between your identity and identity thieves to monitor and alert you to threats you could miss. Plus, with a U.S.-based restoration specialist on your team, you won't have to face drained accounts, fraudulent loans, or other losses from identity theft alone. All backed by the LifeLock Million Dollar Protection Package. Change the game on identity theft. Save up to 25% your first year at LifeLock.com aware. Listen, learn, lay the points. This is Rothman and Ice. That it is. Welcome back in. Matty Ice got my man Dave Biddle chopping it up with me today. Hope you guys are having a nice start to your Thursday. Steven Bardo's a busy man. You know, he's probably talking to coaches and players, you know, guys that are more important than us right now. So we'll keep you posted on, on that front and everything else around the college basketball girl college basketball world. Regardless, we'll talk to our guy Dan Dockage at two thirty about some of those same things. Bids, it's been a very busy couple days here in in Columbus with the Jackets and the Ohio State basketball team, but it's been a very busy few months for the Ohio State football program, whether it's landing guys in the portal or bringing in a young quarterback that a lot of people were excited about and Julian saying, but what got interesting was what the last few weeks to a month with the offensive coordinator position. And it started with Bill O'Brien, who is no longer the offensive coordinator. He's now the head coach over at Boston College since, you know, former Ohio State defensive coach Jeff Halfley took his talents to the NFL to become the Green Bay Packers DC. But now here we are where, you know, Coach Day scrolled through his contacts and didn't have to scroll too far because the name Chip Kelly popped up and we know the history there. He is now stamped as the offensive coordinator. Before you give your take on all of this, Joel Klatt, one of the big names around college football, he gave a take on this hiring of Chip Kelly and why he believes that this could be a very good fit for the Buckeyes. It makes all the sense in the world. There's nobody that Ryan trusts more in this sport than than Chip Kelly. And now this this new play calling system at Ohio State is going to have Chip Kelly at the helm. He's going to have his old offensive line coach that came from UCLA, Justin Fry. So they're going to be back together. And and one thing that I'm looking at is like Chip can go there and he's like, oh, I'm sorry, wait, wait, wait. So you're going to give me a mobile quarterback, the best backfield in the, in the country with, with Junkins and, and Henderson. You're going to give me a Mecca Abuka and Carnell Tate, and I get to call plays. I think Ohio State will become a better running team. Chip Kelly rushes the football as well as anybody in the country, as well as anybody. That's what UCLA did, and I think Ohio State is going to lean into that a little bit more. Remember, over the last three years, Part of what has gotten them beat against Michigan is that Michigan was the better fundamentally sound running team. Having to stop their run was very difficult. They could control the clock and they could control the game. And now all of a sudden you've got Chip Kelly. Last year, Ohio State was 88th in the country running the football. I think that needs to get better. I think that needs to get better. And it will. And I think that's the biggest point. His main objective is going to be to, to beat Michigan. And I think Ryan is is diving into that. Nobody's had a better offseason than Ohio State. This adds to that. I think a lot of everything he said right there, I agree with. However, 
he mentioned Michigan and how strong their running attack was. Bids, here's what we know. The last three years, I believe two out of the last three years, that offensive line won the Joe Moore Award, the best offensive line in the country. I'm on board with everything. Quinshawn, Travion, Will Howard, what he can bring. Chip Kelly in this role. What I don't know is, are there going to be five guys up front that are consistently going to move people around to allow those running backs that are very, very talented to do their thing? That's the only question I have. I'm in on everything else I see on offense. If that is a if that is a factor in a positive way, week in and week out, he's absolutely right that this rushing attack is going to be an issue for defenses to deal with. Yeah, and I'm with you. I mean, there you know, there is clearly one big question mark on the offense. They're loaded at wide receiver. They're, in my opinion, loaded at quarterback. They're obviously loaded at running back. Best one-two punch in the country, in my opinion. I like the tight end they got from OU, and they got some other uh, tight ends that have had, that have experience. But then you look at the offensive line, and I don't think it's going to be terrible. But is it going to be national championship? level that's my question and they might not be done adding they could still add you know let's say a right tackle in the portal at some point um but if they have to stay with what they have they have seth mclaughlin coming into play center i think he'll be an upgrade over carson hensman hopefully hensman sticks around though he can compete at guard be the backup center at the very worst what's going to happen at right tackle are they going to get somebody from the portal are they going to keep josh fryer there are they going to bump josh fryer inside to right guard they're only losing one starter that's the good news matt jones is the only starter they're losing i thought josh simmons after a rough start actually played pretty well at left tackle overall donovan jackson is a fifth year or a, just a fourth year senior coming back that's big and then mclaughlin coming in so i like that the left side and the center and then you got to figure out something at right guard is that going to be fryer is it going to be tegra shabola they actually for you know i'm a little concerned about the starting lineup to some degree but they do have Depth. Like a guy like Tegra entering his third year, he just looks like he's straight out of central casting. They have Luke Montgomery, who was the sixth man on the O line this year. He could be the starting right tackle or compete at guard. Um, so we'll see. But you're right, Maddie. If they can just have you know a um, you know a good offensive line, they're going to be a big problem this year because they are stacked on offense. And Chip Kelly is going to bring some bring some really good run concepts here. In 2022, UCLA had a really good offense, and he helped turn Charbonnet Zach Charbonnet into a you know one of the best backs in the country. And uh, that year, and a second round draft pick by the Seahawks. No question. At least Michigan goes to become a Bruin, and it turned out uh, pretty well for him. So, th- this shift, I think, from Coach Day is very interesting, right? You-, you hear the term CEO type of vibe, type of role for a head coach. And we saw Jimbo Fisher do this. We've seen other coaches do this. It's still going to be what he wants to run for the most part. But I do believe, though, because of the history and the trust that he has in Chip Kelly, I think that can allow Coach Day to be even more hands-off with what this offense is going to do because we've seen Chip Kelly for years and years, I to me, have creative offenses. I think years ago it was probably more creative because he felt like one of those guys that was kind of first out of the gate to throw funky things at defenses, and we see more of that in the league. But I do think that sometimes when you can step back and I'm talking Chip Kelly now, when you can step back and step into a role where it's a little less than what you had to deal with, you can become an even better coach. I truly believe that because now Chip Kelly, he's not concerned with all the NIL stuff and the transfer portal stuff. And I'm sure he'll have a say maybe in some of those things here or there, but his focus is the daily grind of drawing up the best plays and getting the best out of those offensive players every single day. And because of how talented I think he can be as a play caller, I think that's going to show itself in a very positive way, man. And then you talk about Will Howard. 
you got to be excited about not only what he can do for you with his athletic ability, but for Chip Kelly, it's, man, this dude's a seasoned vet. Like, we can maybe start on Chapter 3 or 4 of this book and not have to start at the beginning and really hit the hit the ground running. Now, there's some receivers that are going to have to adjust that haven't played a ton, but look, I mean, from what we've seen from this program, the receiver position is going to be all right. But I just love the blend of what we're getting from the coaches combined with what I think we're going to get talent-wise from these guys. If this team stays healthy, I truly believe that the sky is the limit because we're talking a lot about the offense right now. You flip it over to the defense, and you talk about experience. I mean, there's a ton of that that's back, and you add in an All-American-type player in Caleb Downs on the back end, <laughs> who I think may be in store for maybe not you know productivity-wise the same thing, but bids. Like, I wouldn't be surprised if he has that same type of impact that we saw Malik Hooker have that one year at safety where he had his hands on a lot of footballs and took a couple of them back to the crib. I think he's going to be an immediate star. Yeah. I know I'm not breaking news that this young man led Alabama in tackles as a true freshman. I mean, that's just unheard of and was, you know, the freshman of the year in college football, according to pro football or excuse me, football writers of America. And yeah, when you look at Chip Kelly, I feel like um, people aren't giving this enough credit. I think people hear Chip Kelly and they're like, they think of it almost like he's coming to Ohio State as head coach. They know he's not coming to Ohio State as head coach, so that's almost like how they're viewing it as far as when they review what kind of hire this was. You can talk, well, he didn't do that good in the NFL and he didn't didn't do that good at UCLA as head coach in the NFL, head right. coach at UCLA. Now picture Chip Kelly as just offensive coordinator, as you were articulating. Like Now he can be kind of like the Jim Knowles of the offense. As you said, all this other crap that Ryan Day now has to deal with and Chip Kelly had to deal with himself at UCLA, he, that's all off the table. Now he can just be a mad scientist and draw up plays. Now, is Ryan Day, it's not It's not apples to apples with Jim Knowles because Ryan Day is going to be heavily involved in all things offense. He's going to have veto power to call plays. He's going to be suggesting plays. Hell, he, sometimes he just might be the play caller, but Chip Kelly's going to be up in the box He's going to be, I think, the primary play caller um, with Ryan Day heavily involved. I love it, man. I just think it's perfect. And, you know, people might say, well, why wasn't I've got this question a lot. Um, well, well, come on. There's got to be a reason. And I asked this initially, too. Well, there's got to be a reason he picked Bill O'Brien first over Chip Kelly. But a lot can change in three and a half weeks. When he hired Bill O'Brien, Chip Kelly wasn't sure what he wanted to do yet. He wasn't sure if he wanted to stay at UCLA. And I think what he really wanted to do, Maddie, was be a NFL offensive coordinator. Mm-hmm. He interviewed a multiple you know, with multiple teams, including the Seahawks. And once he didn't get that job, then a lot changed. Then the Bill O'Brien stuff changed where he was, you know, up for the Boston College job. And Ryan Day told us a couple of days before it happened, he's like, we have a plan B. Boy, did, did they ever, right? <laughs> I mean, like as soon as Bill O'Brien, like Bill O'Brien took that job, it was like a couple hours later, we got the Chip Kelly news. So I think that's why. I think all along, if all things being equal, he would have picked Chip Kelly. But Chip Kelly wasn't necessarily available when he hired Bill O'Brien. And then Chip Kelly just decided after he didn't get an NFL job, he wanted to move on from UCLA. And uh, I just think it's a great get for Ohio State to get Chip Kelly as offensive coordinator. I mean, that's that's a really good get by Ryan Day. You always hear the term relationships matter, right? And that showed itself here to where Coach Day had that relationship with a prime candidate. And you're able to go through your Rolodex, hit him up and away we go. Chip Kelly is the offensive coordinator for the Buckeyes and should be a very exciting season. Up next... Two great Buckeye wide receivers weigh in on what should be the next great Buckeye wide receiver in the NFL. We'll tell you who those guys are, what they said, and a lot more up next. It's Rothman and Ice right here on The Fan. The only show where sports talk is eclipsed by food talk. Oh, no. Common Man and T-Bone. Weekdays from 3 to 6. The Fan. 
Every fan knows the right player in the right position can be a game changer. Put LifeLock between your identity and identity thieves to monitor and alert you to threats you could miss. Plus, with a U.S.-based restoration specialist on your team, you won't have to face drained accounts, fraudulent loans, or other losses from identity theft alone. All backed by the LifeLock Million Dollar Protection Package. Change the game on identity theft. Save up to 25% your first year at LifeLock.com slash aware. Chen. This is Rothman and Ice. Sponsored by Pella Columbus. Windows and doors that go beyond. Welcome back in. Matty Ice, Dave Biddle. In for AR. We're going to add one to the party right now. He found some time for us. Very happy now to be joined by Stephen Bardo. Does a great job covering college basketball, calling college basketball games. The dude's an absolute beast. Mr. Bardo, thanks so much for your time, man. How you doing? I'm doing great, fellas. How how are you guys doing? Doing well. Doing well. Thanks so much for for asking. I got to get your reaction to the news that happened right in our backyard yesterday. You've always uh, had a great job. Keep keep a great eye, excuse me, on this Big Ten conference. You're well aware of what's been happening to Ohio State when you heard about the news that Coach Holtman was no longer the head coach of the program. Where did your mind go? Uh, I was a little upset. Um, You know, Coach Holtman is one of the best coaches in college basketball, bar none. Uh, I understand the nature of college athletics and the fact that people don't have any patience any longer. But Chris Holtman is one of the best coaches, one of the best tacticians, one of the best chemistry builders in college basketball. And unfortunately, he listened to someone in the administration in Ohio State. I won't name his name, but you all know I'm talking about. Chris Holtman wanted to go out and get different players. He was instructed to to develop these guys. When he tried to develop these guys, he ends up losing his job. So. Uh, I, I feel for the, I feel for him and his family, uh, but I know that he's going to land on his feet because he's excellent at what he does. Steven, how do you view the Ohio State job as far as, you know, if you're a coach out there, do you view it as a top 15 national job? Do you view it as a top 20 national job? Just where do you view the Ohio State men's basketball job? I think from a potential standpoint, Ohio State has a similar makeup as when Billy Donovan was at Florida. You're at a football powerhouse, so you don't, you may not have as much scrutiny uh, on the basketball side, but I think, you know, Ohio State, they've got the resources, they've got the facilities. Um, the, the fan base uh, in terms of basketball is kind of fair weather, in my opinion. Uh, I think whoever comes in, if they can get the program rolling again, I think the fans will come back. But I was a little bit disappointed in a lack of uh, fan support there. Uh, but in terms of uh, resources, potential, facilities, uh, they have it all. And so I, I do think potentially it's a top 15 job, but I also think that the, <laughs> the fans need to, some of those football fans need to bring that fervor over to the basketball side. I think that would help quite a bit. College basketball analyst Stephen Bardo joining us here on The Fan. Stephen, I want to go back to your, your initial answer off the top, and more so just about roster construction now when it comes to college basketball. You're around this sport all the time. You're calling games for all these different teams. Like, What's your thoughts on, maybe not the perfect way to go about it, but from what you've seen, what do you think could be a good lane for a coach to carve out when it comes to putting together a roster now in the transfer portal era? Well, the transfer portal area allows you to really be creative. Uh, and I think that the, the COVID situation with all these guys that have stayed uh, four, five, six seasons – I think has really hurt the traditional high school recruiting. And I think that's where Chris Holtman got in trouble, where he was trying to really develop a program, but there's, there's not enough patience in today's college basketball to, 
to adequately develop guys from freshmen into juniors. He didn't, he wasn't given time to do that. And so I think here in the next year or two, you're still going to see this need and this want for older players. But then after 2025, 2026, I believe the COVID situation will be resolved. And then I think you'll start to see um, going back towards the means in terms of trying to, to get high school players to bring them in and to develop them. Uh, the transfer portals is challenging. You've got to re-recruit your players every season. But I think once the COVID situation clears up, uh, I do think that it will kind of come back to the means. Stephen, we've been kind of kicking around our wish list uh, to replace Coach Holtman here as as the head coach. And, you know, a guy I really like is Lamont Paris, head coach at South Carolina. And I don't know if he'd be willing to leave South Carolina for Ohio State if Ohio State wants him, but he checks a lot of boxes. He's from Ohio, played college basketball in Ohio at Wooster. Big Ten ties, as you know, a longtime assistant at Wisconsin, doing a great job at South Carolina right now. Also did a good job at Chattanooga, his first time being a head coach. Do you think that would be a good fit at Ohio State? And do you think he would be interested? Oh, I definitely – I mean, anybody in college basketball that's coaching, if you get a call from Ohio State, you're going to listen. Um, I, there's not a coaching college basketball. I don't care. That's Bill Self. That's, uh, you know, uh, Scott Drew. Anybody that's getting a call from Ohio State's going to listen. They're going to hear what they have to say. So I would definitely think Lamont Paris would be interested because he understands the potential of what Ohio State can be being an Ohio native. Plus, he's a great guy. He's a great recruiter. He's a fair man. I've known Lamont since he was a longtime assistant, and he 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 tells guys straight up what it is. And in today's game, you can't BS kids any longer. You got to be you got to be honest. You got to be upfront, and you got to get guys that want to be coached. And I think what you're seeing with Lamont Paris and South Carolina, even though they got blasted last night at Auburn, they're in the mix in the SEC because Lamont Paris gets guys that he can coach. He's honest with them. They appreciate that honesty, and they play hard for him. So I think that he would be an outstanding candidate. But I also think that uh, Greg McDermott out of Creighton is a a name that I keep hearing. He would be an excellent choice as well. Steven, we'll get you out of here on this one. The rankings tell us right now that UConn is the best team in the country. Do you agree with that? Yes. I think UConn and Purdue are elite, and I think there's a separation after that. I, I think that uh, you can throw Houston and maybe Arizona uh, in that mix behind them, but uh, the cream of the crop right now, UConn one and Purdue two, and I think there is a separation uh, with the rest of the rest of the teams in college basketball. Really appreciate it. I know you're busy, man. We appreciate your time, it's Stephen Bardo, great college basketball analyst. Have a great one, man. I'm sure we'll be chopping up with you soon in the coming weeks, getting ready for the madness. I'd love to, guys. Thanks for having me, man. Appreciate it. Thank you. Thank you, Stephen Bardo, right there. College basketball. And as we'll reset at the top, you'll hear from John Davidson on the big news coming out of Nationwide today with the parting of ways when it comes to Yermo Kekalainen. And one NFL and draft analyst says, when you get past Caleb Williams, this should be the guy you take at the quarterback position. We'll tell you who that is, and you'll hear from him after this. It's Rothman and Ice right here on The Fan. We're the highest-rated sports radio station in America. There's no joke there. We just are. The Fan, Ohio's sports destiny. Every fan knows the right player in the right position can be a game-changer. Put LifeLock between your identity and identity thieves to monitor and alert you to threats you could miss. Plus, with a U.S.-based restoration specialist on your team, you won't have to face drained accounts, fraudulent loans, or other losses from identity theft alone. 
all backed by the LifeLock Million Dollar Protection Package. Change the game on identity theft. Save up to 25% your first year at LifeLock.com slash aware. Anthony's tennis shorts were so tight, they had to pixelate his crotch. You're listening to Rothman and Ice. Oh, welcome back in. Benzo, I was telling you during the break, I feel like I haven't been able to catch my breath with just everything that's been happening, man. But uh, this is what we love. This is what we love. If you miss Stephen Bardo, we just had him on reacting to the Chris Holtman news. That was pretty interesting, especially the initial answer we got from him. Answer number one was pretty intriguing. Yes, sir. Um, And so here we are dealing with that. And then this morning... Our hockey team made a big-time decision to part ways with Jarmo Kekalainen, who was now or is now the former general manager of the Blue Jackets. So John Davidson, J.D., he's going to take over. He and some others are going to get this thing hopefully in line sooner rather than later. But we heard from J.D. uh, earlier today. That press conference started right around 1130. And here he is on the timetable of finding a new general manager. We have no set timetable. For hiring a new general manager, other than it will be when we know we have found the right person for the job. Our intent at this time is to focus on candidates outside the organization. This is a critically important decision. Mike Priest and I will oversee this process with a final decision made by the two of us, along with our ownership. So what's important here, I believe, because I know I got a couple emails off the top of the show, just, you know, some people were, I guess, maybe expecting slash wanting J.D. to be another name that was let go. For me, Bids, I think I understand the emotion, but because you do have a trade trade deadline that is looming on March 8th, I think you need somebody that has a handle on what to do and the roster and all of those things that we may not see or understand when it comes to these big time decisions. So I I understand the part of the Blue Jacket fan base that may have wanted that as well. But at least for now, I think keeping J.D. intact is the right way to go about it. Now, beyond this season, we shall see what ownership wants to do and all of those things. We started the show with, um, you know, a lot of the moving pieces that I think are going to come with a new head coach and all of that. Don't want to assume anything. But it may be time for a, a complete reset over there. But I think you brought up a good point earlier. This is a hockey franchise that a lot of people, I think, look at and say, there's a nice amount of young talent over there and in this system. And it's time to find the decision makers, head coach, whatever it's going to be moving forward that can really crank this up sooner rather than later. So there's a lot of pressure on them. JD's going to handle this as best as he can. And we shall see what decisions they make prior to this trade deadline and in the offseason because I know there's some interesting restricted free agent decisions that they have to deal with as well. But, yeah, man, a lot of moving pieces right now with the Columbus Blue Jackets, and it started today uh, with the parting of ways of Yarmo Kekalina. curious if you agree or disagree on this because so, some people might scoff at this when I initially say this. I think the Blue Jackets' job is going to be very attractive for a head coach and for a general manager. Here's why. The host of young players, the talented young players, and there'll be more on the way. Guys that are in the system now, they'll have another high draft pick this year. Um, Adam Fantilli, all the guys they have now, Kent Johnson, Sillinger, on and on and on. Um, furthermore, I mean, that's the biggest reason. You got a nice young core. That'd be nice to take over if you're a head coach and a GM, and you have a, you have a few years to build. Yeah. Also, there's no pressure on you. <laughs> and if you happen to like do well, like they're going to have statues of you built because like they, there's no pressure on you. The bar is extremely low. This is a franchise that's won 
one playoff series in their history, okay? And I'm not counting the play-in game the one year, but, you know. And it was a great playoff win. It was a sweep of the top-seeded Tampa Bay Lightning. It was fantastic. But one playoff series uh, win in their history. So my point is, if you're a GM and you like, man, I can go to Columbus. It's a nice place to live. I got this young core to build around. I have no pressure on me. It's not like you're going to New York, you know, or something right, like that. Like right. there's, and like if you do anything even like moderately good, you're going to be looked upon as a superstar. I think it's going to be an attractive job for a, a GM and a head coach. I'm with you, man. I'm with you, and that's you're not. We're not even baking in right now. Maybe even the financial flexibility that you may have, depending on what moves that they make to create that for you. So to your point of prospects that you have. High draft pick, and if you got some money that you can throw around to either do this or that with guys that are currently on the roster with free agents that can be right now talent, it may be a very, very attractive job. Two o'clock, we're going to talk to Jean Lugrin, Pierre, the hyphenator, about this and the future of this franchise, and I cannot wait to get his take. So we've we've entered draft season. Bids one of my favorite times of the year. I am a sucker for a mock draft. If a mock draft pops up on my timeline, I'm probably will click on it and scan through to see everybody's opinion. Speaking of opinions, one opinion that I think is pretty rock solid for most people is that in this draft that Caleb Williams is the QB one. This was the Heisman winner a couple seasons ago. Very, very productive under Lincoln Riley's watch as a head coach and a play caller. The dude, I think, is going to be a very good player. I don't know if, Bids, you agree with the opinions that are out there that we may be getting the second coming of the guy that just won a Super Bowl again in Patrick Mahomes. But I do see a guy that in time I think will be in that top 10, top 12-ish in the league at the quarterback position. When you think about Caleb Williams and what his tra- his talent would transfer uh, into the league as, what, what do you see? I would have a lot of trepidation taking him number one overall. Here's why. Um, and you might say this is a little thing, but there's other character issues that have popped up. Nothing huge. What, this is something I just don't like out of a quarterback. Now, wide receivers can be divas, corners can be divas, and do really well. Quarterbacks, not so much. When they played Utah in the Pac-12 championship game the previous year, Caleb Williams comes out there with his fingers nail, fingernails painted. F Utah, except he didn't have F. He had the, the full word. F Utah on both of his hands, on his fingernails. And I'm like, and then there's some other stuff that he did that was, you know, kind of questioned. It's just, and it's little stuff. Nothing criminal, mm-hmm. nothing terrible. But like, I don't want my quarterback to be a knucklehead like that and do knucklehead type things. And, and if he is, I want him to be like 6'4". Not like, he'll go to the, he's listed 6'1 by USC. Ain't no way he's 6'1". He'll go to the combine and measure maybe six foot. I don't know, man. He, the Bears better be sure. If you give, a, if you trade Justin Fields to the Steelers and he ends up having a good career and Caleb Williams ends up being a bust and you could have traded that number one pick for a haul and people talk about, well, Justin Fields and rookie, con- he's still on his rookie contract for two more years. You don't need to, to make an investment right now, but you better be sure Caleb Williams is a sure thing if you take him. Cause I, I would have some, I don't think he's a sure thing by any means. This is not, you know, this is not like, and you could say, Name a first quarterback taken number one overall. They're not a sure thing. Like Joe Burrow wasn't a sure thing. Mm-hmm. Um, I was pretty confident he was, but um, I don't get that feeling from Caleb Williams. What about you? I am. I'm starting to fall more into your camp, and here's why. I think a lot of what you hear when it comes to Caleb Williams is his playmaking ability is unlike any other, right? And I think everybody has fallen in love with the magician stuff that he can do. My issue is, is I don't know if the dude can play in structure. 
And in the NFL, that's what you have to do. When you're in college and you're putting up all these big numbers and maybe half of the equation is USC's defense has been a mess for the two seasons he's been there and your defense has given up 45-plus every Saturday, you're in a position as a quarterback to where you don't have a choice. Now, that's easier said than done because you have to go do that. But that's what I don't know if the playground style that he does in college will automatically translate into the league. Lewis Riddick, one of my favorite NFL analysts out there, he gave his take on not Caleb Williams, but a who he believes should be the QB2 in this draft. I mean, for me, I don't. I never had any question from the get-go when I started watching these quarterbacks as to who number two was. Jaden Daniels, for me, is clearly number two. Mm. And I think as we move through this process, I know there are going to be people who say, well... You know, Drake May, once he gets into the interviews and all, you know, people are going to become wild with him. Well, I think people are going to be very impressed with Jaden Daniels as well as we move through the draft process. Because remember, this is the time of year where things can get a little sideways because there's no football being played now. <laughs> there's no football being played, but you, you can wind up tricking yourself into thinking things that you shouldn't be thinking about. As long as Jaden Daniels doesn't do anything to hurt himself, I think, in this pre-draft process, and as long as people are comfortable with ultimately what his verifieds are as far as his height and his weight and his hand size and what he looks like. And I've said, I want to see Jaden Daniels in person. I want to stand next to him just like I stood next to Bryce Young last year and stood next to C.J. Stroud in consecutive days. And that's why for me it was a slam dunk. It's C.J. Stroud for me. I want to see Jaden Daniels because I'll tell you this right now. The way this young man operates in the pocket the way in which he can get that ball out and speed up his release and the way he sees the field, some of the touch throws he makes are sick. They're at, they remind me of the way C.J. threw the football at Ohio State. But outside the pocket, you see these highlights. This kid can go now. When they, when they call design quarterback draw, he is, I mean, he is out the gate, dude. He's out the gate. The thing about it, though, is you want to turn on the old Miss game. He takes a shot in that game where it looks like somebody catapulted him backwards, like somebody put a bungee cord on him and yanked him backwards. And I'm going, you can't be absorbing too many of those. Mm. So I'll tell you this, though. Caleb Williams, bigger body, made people look silly in the open field. Jaden Daniels, he can throw that thing. For me, Drake May, I left a lot on the – I was sitting there a lot of times looking at the tape going, show me something. Mm-hmm. Show me something that puts you in the category with these two. And I didn't see it. Well, I love Lewis Riddick. He's so good. I, I see some of the GMs around the league, you know, and I say, how the hell is Lewis Riddick not running a football team right now? And when he's talking about silly season and things get said that really probably aren't true, I couldn't help but think of C.J. Stroud last year. And that people, is... people trashing him, saying, talking about the cognitive test that, now, if he really would have scored that, it would have been one thing. But, like, he didn't take it seriously. It was late at night. He didn't want to take it. And then he took it again and actually scored well on it. Regardless, to overthink it, as he was said, to take Bryce Young over C.J. Straw, that's the perfect example right there. It really there. was. It was crazy. And, look, I know some people would hear us and think we're biased. But, no, we watched C.J. week in and week out dot up defenses more times than not. And the, the last thing that we saw from C.J. Straw was him absolutely torching a Georgia defense that for, what, the last three to four years had been throwing dudes into the NFL on defense like it was nobody's business. I want to react to that last portion of what we heard from Lewis Riddick because I agree with almost everything – Well, I don't agree with almost everything he said because I am a Drake May guy over Jane Daniels. He mentioned Drake May and wanting more to show me something. I have to give Drake May this. Jane Daniels was throwing to (laughs) Malik Neighbors 
and Brian Thomas Jr., two guys that are for sure going to be first-round wide receiver talents this year. Now, the level up for Jaden Daniels happened. It was ridiculous. He went from 17 touchdowns two years ago to 40 this year through the air alone and won the Heisman Trophy. So I'm not taking anything away from Jaden Daniels. I think what I see in Drake May is bids I'm getting 6'5", 220. I'm getting a guy who a couple years ago led North Carolina in rushing. So I know that, hey, I don't need him to be Lamar and get the, all of that from him in the NFL. But I get that, and I do I do think he has special arm talent. So when it comes down to Drake May and Jaden Daniels, I am in the May camp. But there's a lot of people right now that are backing Jaden Daniels and what he's going to be in the league. So draft season should be very fun, man. I can't wait. And the, the mock drafts are just fast and furious. They always are. It's yeah. like on steroids this year, man. It's like every publication is doing a mock draft every day. Some some publications have multiple analysts are doing like two mock drafts every day. And I'm not even being sarcastic. And pretty much all of them have Marvin Harrison Jr. going number four to the Arizona Cardinals. Cardinals, where he would be reunited with Paris Johnson Jr., their top pick from last year. And pretty much all the mock drafts have quarterbacks going one, two, three. Most of them have Daniels going third in May 2nd. So Lewis Riddick is in the minority there, but um, I don't know enough to make a, a call there. I just feel like I, I do agree with the analysts that say in whatever order it's going to be one, two, three. Yeah. And it sounds like it will be Caleb Williams again. We'll see how that works out. We shall see. Things change a lot during draft season. When we come back, one franchise tried to turn an enemy into a friend. We'll tell you all about that coming up next. It's Rothman and Ice right here in the fan. Leaving your jackets flagship station since day one. All the goals, all the action, all the memories. Your home for the Columbus Blue Jackets, the fan, Ohio sports. De- Every fan knows the right player in the right position can be a game changer. Put LifeLock between your identity and identity thieves to monitor and alert you to threats you could miss. Plus, with a U.S.-based restoration specialist on your team, you won't have to face drained accounts, fraudulent loans, or other losses from identity theft alone. All backed by the LifeLock Million Dollar Protection Package. Change the game on identity theft. Save up to 25% your first year at LifeLock.com slash aware. You're listening to Rothman and Ice. Sponsored by Pella Columbus. Windows and doors that go beyond. Oh, welcome back in. Dave Biddle in for our guy AR. Got to pour one out for AR today. He's not feeling too well. CB fought through. He gave us a Jordan flu game yesterday and uh, just couldn't get up today. How the past you couple of days, honestly. Yeah, you're right. He's been grinding. Why am I hanging out with... with so he's sick. I'm sitting in AR's... Ch- Chair where he was yesterday sick. We're not sick. Man. CB and no, I are we're good. both good over here. Oh, we're okay. we're I, good. Oh, I thought you said you had the Jordan flu yesterday. Oh no, no, AR did. Was, he gave us a Jordan flu game I yesterday. Gotcha. <laughs> I got gotcha. you. Okay, yesterday, I got gotcha. you, man. So I'm sure he's uh, relaxing. You know, uh, sipping some hot tea. And you know, if I had to guess, CB, the man is still finding a way to cook up a couple parlays for tonight. He ain't. He ain't gonna miss out. On that at all. Bottom of the hour, <laughs> we will talk to Jared Dubin, covers the NFL well for CBS. A lot going on in the NFL, as there always is. Apparently, Bids, out in California, there was a lot going on between the Golden State Warriors and the Los Angeles Lakers. Because we found out after the show yesterday that the Golden State Warriors made an effort prior to the trade deadline last Thursday, to trade for one LeBron James. (laughs) And when I saw the headline, I'm like, okay, wait a minute. 
Is this real? Because you know the world we live in. I mean, there's all these different publications and fake Twitter profiles and all these clickbaity things that you could easily fall into and believe because people do a pretty good job of making it look legit. But once you get Adrian Wojnarowski stamping a story like this, it's as real as ever. We were out in Vegas and CBNAR and I saw Sham Sharania walking around and he's got his pods in at all times. So I can't imagine how crazy that is, right? Those That insider world. We talk to Shefty all the time and sometimes he's got this going on. He's got, he's got that going on. Couldn't imagine when Woj caught wind of this that he was like, okay, I'm just going to buy this right out of the gate. There's no way. But he did some digging. And this story is very, very true. What I find fascinating in this, and you know, the result was LeBron and Rich Paul, his agent, within the 24-hour window said, nah, we're good. Some people look at it and say, well, why did it take 24 hours? Why did it take that long for you to say no? But what I find fascinating in all of this is you read about this story and Draymond Green was reaching out. And if Draymond Green is reaching out bids, to me... That doesn't happen if number 30 isn't on board with this either. The flip side of that is, well, who the hell are you giving up to get LeBron James? And I think we can all assume and maybe safely assume that Steph and Draymond were willing to part ways with Klay Thompson. And at this point in time, if you haven't been paying attention, Clay is not the same dude you watched a few years ago, unfortunately, because of some very, very significant lower extremity injuries. But this is just hard to wrap your mind around because of what we all watched and what we all enjoyed for at least one of the chapters when the Cavs were going against the Warriors. But this is this is shocking, man, that the guy that they went toe-to-toe with and the guy that they felt like, hey, we needed more, we needed Kevin Durant to take this guy down, they wanted him on the squad bids pretty well. And the Lakers still have a chance. If you're AD, you must be like, well, why were you even thinking about this, man? <laughs> like, we were in-season tournament champions. Hang, hang the banner. Hang it up, baby. <laughs> no, that was surprising. I'm with you, man. Oh, when I man. first saw that headline, I'm like, this has got to be BS. Is this from like The Onion? And then it was like, as you said, <laughs> then Woj says, this is true. I was like, oh, geez, this is true. So, yeah, um, my first instinct was way off there. Very interesting. Didn't didn't have that on my bingo card. Le- LeBron might join Steph and the Warriors. No. But, um, it didn't happen. It didn't happen. And for LeBron, it's a move you can't make. It's just a move you can't make. If you want to opt out this offseason, which he can do and become a free agent, now he's going to have to turn down $50-plus million to do so. But this is a, a billionaire that we're talking about. And billionaires can make you know, decisions like that. And a lot of us can't wrap our mind around turning that type of money down, but it it may be in play. We all saw the reaction to what happened with Kevin Durant, right? A few years ago. And that's not what you want on your resume. And at least Kevin Durant, which you could argue made it even worse though, depending on you want to look at it, was joining a team that was then like a powerhouse. They were already like probably the favorites, and then he just put them over the top, yeah. which a lot of people, myself included, said that, come on. That's kind of a weak move. But then I said, once Kevin Durant led us to the gold medal in the Olympics uh, three years ago, I said, I'm never going to say a negative word about Kevin Durant again, so I'm going to adhere to that. <laughs> but seriously, this year's Golden State Warriors are 10th in the Western Conference. The Lakers are ahead of them by two games. The Lakers are 30 and 26. The Warriors are 26 and 26. So even if LeBron would have joined the Warriors, it would have been like, they would have been nowhere near the favorite in the West. It still would have been a team like the the Timberwolves or the Clippers or the Nuggets or the Thunder. 
I like. I think the Suns. I we talk about this like in our gambling show. I think on the money. I think the Suns have great. I'm not saying predicting they're going to win the West. I like the value of them winning the West at plus eight hundred. I think the Suns have been playing good basketball. You got Durant. You got Booker. Um, you got Brad Beal. I, th- I think the Suns are a sneaky good team. They also just made a couple of trades that are yeah. maybe sneaky good. But yeah, I don't understand the idea of if you join the twenty six and twenty six tenth place Warriors. Mm-hmm. That would have been such a weird move for LeBron. If they would have been ready to to win a title, I could understand it. If I had to guess what they're thinking is, is we can get Braun and we can scratch scratch and claw our way into a play-in situation and go from there. When you have those two forces that are LeBron and Steph and how great those guys know individually they are, and when you join powers together, I have to imagine that's what they're seeing. To your point, the road to get to that point is a tough road. But you get LeBron, you get Steph on the same floor together in a, you know, in a seven game series, taking those guys out and beating those guys four times could be a challenge, but it's never going to happen. Now, actually, you know what? I don't want to say it's never going to happen. The relationship between LeBron and Draymond seems to be very, very good. Steph and Braun seem to have a healthy amount of respect for each other. And now we know at least on one half of the equation is that the Golden State guys want LeBron. And I don't think that's going to change when we get into the offseason unless somehow, some way, Golden State finds a way to win a- another championship. So just an absolutely wild story, an absolutely insane story that came out of the NFL. When you talk about two icons of the sport, two pillars of the sport, and then one of those pillars hitting the other up and saying, I need you, big dog. Come help me out. The thing is, if they wait till, even if they did it this year, I mean, LeBron is just, you know, a freak of nature, always has been. But to be able to do this at 39, but he's not in his prime anymore. He's still... LeBron and fantastic, but he's not like LeBron of like 10 years ago. Right, we right. agree with that. So yeah. it's like, even if he did join, especially if it's next year, Maddie, when he's 40, Steph's getting up there. Like at one point, mm-hmm. you know, they're going to start to taper off more and more and more. I, I don't even know if next year um, they would be the favorite. And it's crazy to say that when you're talking about two of the legends of the game um, that aren't very much past their prime. In fact, you argue Steph is still in his prime, the end of it, but still in his prime. Yeah. I don't even know if next year, if you put LeBron and Steph on the same team, it would depend on the complementary parts for Draymond. Sure. I don't even know if they'd be the favorites. Maybe they would be just probably not name the favorites. Probably not but the favorites. Be, but they'd be pretty good. They would be pretty good. They would be pretty good. <laughs> be so the all season could get very interesting. <laughs> and what should sound the alarm for a lot of people, you know, when it comes to maybe this you know, surfacing as a real thing again is if LeBron does opt out and becomes a legitimate free agent. Before we hit a break, congrats to the Cavs. They go into the all-star break with a nice win. I know it was your Bulls last night, but the Bulls put up a nice effort last night. But the Cavs right now, Biz, 9-1 and one in their last 10 in the two-seat in the East. So J.B. Bickerstaff in the Cleveland Cavaliers doing their thing before the All-Star break, which is actually not too far from where we are. It's in Indy this weekend. So if you need something to do, you know, got a couple, you know, coins around slide on over to Indy and enjoy the all-star break we're going to enjoy Jared Dubin who covers the NFL for CBS next it's Rothman and Ice right here on the fan we're known for three things games conversation and common man yelling about things only he cares about the fan Ohio sports desk every fan knows the right player in the right position can be a game changer put lifelock between your identity and identity thieves to monitor and alert you to threats you could miss Plus, with a U.S.-based restoration specialist on your team, you won't have to face drained accounts, fraudulent loans, or other losses from identity theft alone. All backed by the LifeLock Million Dollar Protection Package. 
Change the game on identity theft. Save up to 25% your first year at lifelock.com slash aware. Helping you ace your afternoon. This is Rothman and Ice. That it is. Welcome back in. Matty Ice, Dave Biddle. Rocking out today. Going to add Jared Dubin, NFL for CBS. Does a great job covering the league over there to the party now. Jared, happy Thursday, man. How are you? I'm doing fine. How are you? Doing well, man. Thanks so much for asking. So there's been a lot of Justin Fields Steelers chatter over the last 24 to 48 hours. Your opinion on that fit for Pittsburgh and whether or not they should be aggressive in trying to land the Chicago Bear quarterback? Interesting, because there was a lot of talk last year about Arthur Smith's team, the Falcons, possibly pursuing Lamar Jackson, and they shut that down pretty quickly, even though Lamar was a, you know, a, technically a free agent while on the franchise tag. And uh, you know, a lot of people thought that would have been a good fit because of the way Arthur Smith designs a run game and how that would you know, fit with Lamar's skill set. Now, obviously, Arthur Smith has become the offensive coordinator in Pittsburgh. So I do think there is you know, something that makes a degree of sense about that. And, you know, Pittsburgh is probably not in position to land one of the top quarterbacks uh, in this year's draft, given where they finished in the standings. So, you know, I think it's worth exploring price dependent, obviously, but, you know, you only have to get super aggressive if there's someone ready to outbid you. So it's it's more co- uh, dependent on the context of the market than it is, I think, on on Pittsburgh's specific situation. Jared, I, I thought if uh, the Chiefs won the Super Bowl, Andy Reid might ride off into the sunset. Uh, not so much. He made it clear he is not even thinking about retirement. Not good news for the rest of the AFC. Uh, my question for you, how long do you think Andy Reid is going to coach? Oh, man. Um, I mean, if it were me, I would just coach the rest of Patrick Mahomes' career. <laughs> but, uh, you know, I'm not uh, quite as old as Andy is. But, you know, I could see him coaching – quite a while. You know, he doesn't seem like a guy who's ready to hang him up. He doesn't look like a guy who's ready to hang him up. And why would you like, why would you not just hang on until, you know, you win as much as he can with this guy. Jared, I want to get your take on the news that came out of San Francisco yesterday where Kyle Shanahan, Shanahan excuse me, in the front office parted ways with their defensive coordinator, Steve Wilkes. When, when you saw that news drop, what'd you think? Um, you know, I know that there were earlier in the season, there were some issues with San Francisco's defense and the way it was playing when Steve Wilkes was coaching uh, in the booth. And then he came down from the booth to the sideline in the middle of the season. They started playing better. It didn't necessarily seem like a perfect fit between the two of them. So I understand it from, from that respect. But it's not like the defense was bad. You know, the defense was still good for the majority of the year. And, you know, given the, the timing of it, it's it's tempting to be like, oh, well, he's just being made a scapegoat for the Super Bowl. But I don't think it's necessarily that way. I think there were you know signs throughout the season that it wasn't necessarily a perfect fit. The Bengals obviously have a big decision to make with uh, T. Higgins. It sounds like um, from all reports coming out of Cincinnati, they're going to tag him, and, and he's happy to play on the tag for, for one year, and then they'll see what happens. But what do you think will happen with T. Higgins, and what do you think should happen? Yeah, I mean, I think that the tag sounds like is what's going to happen, and I kind of think that's the right move. You know, I don't know necessarily that they should be looking to give him, you know, the, the long-term deal because they do have to pay, obviously, other guys, including and perhaps especially Jamar Chase, who's just going to make, you know, probably the most that, that any wide receiver has made whenever he signs his contract. And he's already said, you know, he wants to wait for 
guys like, you know, CeeDee Lamb and Justin Jefferson to sign so that he can, you know, sign after them and get a bigger deal. And they're going to have to pay that, and they should pay that. So I don't know that it necessarily makes sense to be paying two receivers, you know, at the top of the market. I don't know if it's feasible with, you know, given that they're already outlaid that money to Joe Burrow. Like, I think bringing him back on the tag for at least another year makes sense. We're talking all things NFL with Jared Dubin from CBS. I want to stay there with, with T. Higgins. Let's say things go south with the Bengals, and for whatever reason, T. Higgins becomes available. Jared, if you were a GM for an, for an opposing team, do you would you view or do you view T. Higgins as a no doubt, no questioned wide receiver one in this league? I think he's shown the ability to be that. Obviously, we haven't seen him do it since his rookie year. So it's, it's tough to say, you know, no question. But, you know, these guys that have been, like, really high-end number twos that are not number ones basically because they happen to be on the same team as, you know, a superstar, guys like, you know, T. Higgins, Jalen Waddell, you know, whether you want to consider Debo Samuel or Brandon Ayuk, one of the two, like, these guys have the capability to be the top guy in a passing game. It's just that they're on a team with somebody who's a little bit better than them. So, you know, I wouldn't be afraid to go after T. Higgins and pay him like, a, you know, a, a really good receiver. We've seen that he has that skill set. It's just a matter of getting the opportunity to be the, the actual number one guy. Jared, we're living in a world where Bill Belichick, Pete Carroll, and Mike Vrabel are all out of work right now. Um, do you think um, they'll all, all three of them will be head coaches next year in the NFL? Um, two of the three? Just break that down a little bit. I don't know about all three. Um, I would think that, you know, at least one of them will be, but I also thought, you know, at least one, if not all three of them, uh, would get other jobs this year. I don't know that I necessarily thought Pete Carroll would, especially because they said he was transitioning to sort of a front office role. But, you know, I, I thought that Bill Belichick and Mike Rabel would get two of the open jobs, and that didn't happen. So, you know, it, it's hard for me to say definitively that they will be next year, but I would think so. But I was also wrong about that this year. So, you know, who knows? If you're the Kansas City Chiefs, you've won back-to-back titles without Tyreek Hill. But for the majority of the season, you had issues at the wide receiver position. If they have the finances to do it, like how aggressive do you think they need to be with maybe going and getting, I don't know, a Michael Pittman or Mike Evans may be too expensive with what he may demand. But do you think that the Chiefs need to be aggressive here trying to get themselves a no-doubt stud at the wide receiver position? Or do you just run it back with the Rasheed Rices of the world and, and keep it pushing? I think Rasheed Rice is really good, and that's obviously a good start for them You know, with their receiver core. It would be nice if they didn't, you know, have to play him less than half the snaps for half the year next year, like they did this season that, you know, the days of that happening for them should be over and that should help them in that department. And I do think they should be aggressive looking for someone, but I don't know that they should necessarily pay at the top of the market. Like we've seen, they don't need to do that. We've seen that Mahomes can elevate guys to a level beyond where their actual talent level is. I wouldn't be paying, you know, top of the market money, but if you can go get a number two guy, that would be, you know, a, a really good thing for them, especially because, you know, they're probably going to cut Marquez Valdez Scantling because they could just save so much money by doing that. And and then that's the guy who played the second most snaps among their wide receivers. So they do need to fill out that room, whether it's with draft picks, you know, maybe not a first round pick, but a second or third round pick. Again, you know, they, they, they drafted Sky Moore in the second round two years ago. It didn't really work out for them. They went right back to the well and drafted Rasheed Rice in the second round last year. You know, they could use another, you know, top two or three round pick on another receiver and try to find somebody else in free agency 
that fits like the the Juju or Valdez Scantling mold as like their number two or number three guy. I don't know if they need to break the bank, but they do need to bring in more bodies because what they had last year was was not good enough. Jared, there's a lot of rumors out there, or at least some, that uh, the Pittsburgh Steelers could be interested in Justin Fields. Any validity to that, in your opinion? And, and just what do you think of Justin Fields in general? Yeah, I mean, I think that anybody that doesn't have a surefire, you know, starting quarterback in the future should be interested in seeing what it would take to get Justin Fields from uh, from the Bears because it sure seems like the Bears are going to make that pick at number one. And if you can buy relatively low on a player who has at least shown flashes at times, that's something you should be interested in, you know, especially if you don't have your quarterback. You know, I think Fields has shown that he has, you know, this this unbelievable ability to make plays outside the structure of the offense, which is a really, really valuable skill for a quarterback to have. It's one of the most important skills for a quarterback to have. But, you know, there there are more important skills, you know, accuracy, decision-making, those kind of things. And he still has work to do in those areas. That doesn't mean that he won't get there. It just means that, you know, the most important thing for a quarterback, he's not all the way there yet, and that's why he's probably available this offseason. But, you know, if you have the, the time and the resources to put into it and you can figure out how to get him fully all the way there, then there's a lot of upside to tap into. Jerry, we'll get you out of here on this one. One thing that I'm excited about this offseason is to see what happens again with the running back market. And you've got some pretty strong names out there. You've got Derrick Henry, Saquon Barkley, Tony Pollard, Austin Eckler, Josh Jacobs. Would you be willing to hand over a three-year, maybe even four-year deal for any of these guys? Or do you... Are you in the camp of a lot of people where last season they looked at the running back position and said, you know, it's not worth it anymore? Where are you at with this crop of free agents, and is there a guy you'd be willing to pay? Yeah, I mean, the the years to me, I think, is more important than the the dollar figure. Like, I think if you're going with these running backs on second contracts and you're paying them three, four years down the line, it's just not going to work out well for you. Like, we've seen that over the years. Every team that's given out one of those big contracts has come to regret it within the first couple of years of that deal. Like it's just not worth the bang for the buck. It's it's unfortunate, obviously for the running backs, but that's sort of the reality of living in a salary capped league and the way aging curves tend to work at the position. You know, I I wouldn't be looking to give them big money. If these guys want to take a two year deal, one year deal on a balloon payment and you have, you know, the, the salary cap to, to afford it, then I think that's understandable. But if you're paying these guys three, four-year deals, like it's just the economics of it don't work within the context of the league. He does a great job of covering the NFL over at CBS. Make sure you follow him on Twitter at J.A. Dubin. That's D-U-B-I-N in the number five. Jerry, we always appreciate chopping it up with you, man. Thanks for your time. Uh, thanks for having me. Have a good weekend. There he goes, Jared Dubin, NFL for CBS. When we come back in the Buckeye Bulletin, we talked to Stephen Bardo earlier, and if you missed it, he's a college basketball analyst. He had a very interesting take on Chris Holtman in roster construction. You will hear that answer next, and we will react again to that in the Buckeye Bulletin. It's Rothman and Ice right here on The Fan. Question from a listener. Do you dopes ever get tired of talking about Ohio State? (laughs) No. The Buckeye Show. Weeknights at 6. Every fan knows the right player in the right position can be a game changer. Put LifeLock between your identity and identity thieves to monitor and alert you to threats you could miss. Plus, with a U.S.-based restoration specialist on your team, you won't have to face drained accounts, fraudulent loans, or other losses from identity theft alone. All backed by the LifeLock Million Dollar Protection Package. 
change the game on identity theft. Save up to 25% your first year at lifelock.com slash aware. Rockman and Ice present Buckeye Bulletin. Sponsored by Logan AC and Heat Services. Feeling the chill? Call the experts at Logan Services now for hot deals on train furnaces, including 0% APR for 60 months. All right, welcome back in. Let's crank out a Buckeye Bulletin, Biz. Programming note. Top of the hour, we will go back to some jackets talk. Our guy, John Luke Grand Pierre, will hop on CBJ Analyst to give his take on all that movement over there. So stick with us for a few moments. But before we leave the Buckeye Bulletin, we got to talk a little bit more about the Buckeye basketball news that dropped yesterday and the reason why this story, at least for me, has more layers to it is because you have national media members, one who we spoke to today and Stephen Bardo, and you'll hear from him in a second, that are carving out a new angle to this story because it seems that you have national pundits that are shining a light on Gene Smith. And yesterday, Jeff Goodman, on his podcast, this be the Field of 68, just want to make sure I give him credit, he had this to say about the Holtman firing and Gene Smith. The other thing with, with Gene Smith and Holtman was they had kind of mutually agreed, in a way, to go young to not necessarily load up with transfers before the season. And Holtman brought in another pretty good class, of which sources close to him told me he regrets doing, that he would have went the the portal route a lot harder than he did, but he built one class last year and then had another pretty good recruiting class, of which these freshmen just didn't play. I mean, they didn't – and they, if they did, they didn't make an impact. That's probably something – that Holtman would have liked to have had back on that decision. But again, I, from what I was told, he and Gene were kind of in, in lockstep there. So you had that response. Today, in the noon hour, we talked to Stephen Bardo, and off the top, I just hit him with a pretty basic question of what was your reaction when you found out about the Holtman news, and here's what he had to say. You know, Coach Holtman is one of the best coaches in college basketball, bar none. I understand the nature of college athletics and the fact that people don't have any patience any longer. But Chris Holtman is one of the best coaches, one of the best tacticians, one of the best chemistry builders in college basketball. And unfortunately, he listened to someone in the administration in Ohio State. I won't name his name, but you all know I'm talking about. Chris Holtman wanted to go out and get different players. He was instructed to to develop these guys. When he tried to develop these guys, he ends up losing his job. So. I, I feel for the I feel for him and his family, uh, but I know that he's going to land on his feet because he's excellent at what he does. Very interesting bids. Very interesting. I mean, he I did not hear anything about this. I didn't hear Jeff Goodman's podcast yesterday. I was just all in on the Holtman you know, breaking news. I didn't realize that there was this situation, and these are respectable reporters who are, who are saying this. Um, Jeff Goodman and Stephen Bardo that are saying. You know, just matter of factly that you know that Holtman was basically told just to have a young roster and you know, don't get too many transfers. And people might say, "Well, come on, he brought in three senior transfers this year." Sounds like he wanted to go a little heavier than that. I don't know why Gene would stand in his way and say, "Let's go young and not go with transfers." See, but it's interesting because you heard from Goodman the vibe of, well, maybe Holtman didn't love it, but they kind of met at the fifty-yard line. Then you hear from Bardo, and his tone, at least to me, was 
Well, this was an, an administrative decision, and Chris just had to fall in line. You know who I'm talking about, but and I'm not going to name his name. He's talking about Gene Smith. <laughs> yes. He's talking about Gene Smith, and yes. if I'm wrong on that, then I will say that I'm wrong. But I, the breadcrumbs I'm following led me to Gene Smith with that answer. So, look, we know Coach Holtman is not going to be in the equation anymore. Neither will Gene Smith when we get to summertime. This will be Ross Bjork and his show as the athletic director. But it's just those answers combined with the contract extension that Gene gave Holtman, and my mind goes to, well, I mean, maybe it was a little bit of, if I'm going to hit you with this extension, then I'm going to have some say in what this roster is going to look like. I don't know. It's pure speculation, but I can't escape what we just heard. So it's just a uh, very, very strange time for this Buckeye basketball program right now. I didn't think looking back on the uh, contract extension uh, for Chris Holtman, I didn't think it was possible for me to look back on it any worse. If it was like, we're going to give you this extension when they really shouldn't have. I mean, he won a game in the NCAA tournament. That, oh, well, what a great year. They got to the round of 32. The year before, they were knocked out in the first round. Let's give him an extension, even though he had three years left. Now, if it was they gave him an extension and with the stipulation that Gene was going to like overrule like roster decisions oh my god that was just a terrible contract extension have you heard anything like that when it comes to the football program ever oh i was gonna say like you you got more breaking news for <laughs> no, me no i'm just asking. no i have I'll... never heard that no can you imagine gene smith going and being like yeah i don't know ryan uh let's keep tate martell i'm not i'm not really sold on this justin fields guy let's go let's, let's give tater todd a run for the money here that's yeah it's just pass the torch to the to the tater so we'll see if there's more information that comes out there but it seems that uh to me bids holtman and his camp want this out there that you know the roster that you're looking at right now that's been struggling maybe that's not exactly who i wanted so we shall see that is today's buckeye bulletin Top of the hour. We'll cook up a deep dive. We're going to go back over to Nationwide and talk all things Jackets with Jean-Luc Grandpierre. He will hit us with the reaction to the Yermo Kekalainen news, what's been going on this season, and what the future may hold for the Columbus Blue Jackets. That's up next. It's Rothman and Ice right here on The Fan. Tweet from a listener. Are you carrying the Buckeye game today? Considering we've never not carried one, yes. The answer is yes. The Fan. Every fan knows the right player in the right position can be a game changer. Put LifeLock between your identity and identity thieves to monitor and alert you to threats you could miss. Plus, with a U.S.-based restoration specialist on your team, you won't have to face drained accounts, fraudulent loans, or other losses from identity theft alone. All backed by the LifeLock Million Dollar Protection Package. Change the game on identity theft. Save up to 25% your first year at LifeLock.com slash aware. Most shows just skim the surface, but Rothman and I feel like the biggest story of the day deserves a closer look. It's time for a deeper dive. All right, welcome back in. Deep dive time. Matty Ice, I got Dave Biddle rocking out with me today. The big breaking news in our backyard this morning came out of Nationwide Arena when we found out that the Columbus Blue Jackets parted ways with general manager Yarmo Kekalainen. We're going to bring on a guy that knows... All things Blue Jackets right now with Jean-Luc Grandpierre, our friend. You guys see him all the time on TV, doing a great job covering the Blue Jackets. Jean-Luc, thanks so much for your time, man. How you been? I've been good, and you? Been well, man. Been well. Thanks so much for asking. I know it's been a busy day, so thanks uh, for your time. And by the way, happy belated birthday. Your birthday is a day after mine. So my Aquarius brother, happy belated birthday, man. Just wanted to get that out there. Oh, 
same to you. Same to you. Thank you. So when the news when the news broke today, I mean, what was your reaction? I know it's been a struggle, it's been a grind, but when it comes to Yarmo specifically, your thoughts on that move by the organization? Yeah, I mean, I was definitely surprised. Uh, I was actually uh, a little background. I was skating. Uh, I was over at Chiller North skating at nine o'clock. I didn't get off the ice till pre ten thirty, and then my phone kind of blew up when I looked at it and figured something was happening. And so that's how I found out. But uh, for yeah, it you know, is it surprising? Uh, yes and no, right? The timing, you know, that's one of the things. Each team goes through a certain process to to come about, uh, you know, making a, you know, a large decision such as, you know, whether it's a coaching change or a direction change as far as the organization. Uh, so, uh, I was, uh, I did not expect that to happen today. That's for sure. But, uh, you know, did I see it coming? You know, yes, because, uh, let's all be honest here as far as, uh, you know, any, any, any team, whether we're talking about Buckeye basketball, Buckeye football, the NHL, the NBA, it's a result driven business. And sometimes, uh, you know, as ownership, you want to see results and you want to see the team trending the right way. And unfortunately, uh, over those past two seasons, uh, it's been a tough go for the Blue Jackets as an organization. So, uh, you know, somebody has to take uh, the, the blame for that. And, uh, you know, you usually see coaching change, GM change. You can't trade all your players away. So, uh, unfortunately for this one, Yarmo's the one that, that got let go. Jean-Luc, uh Recognizing the fact that this just happened, this might be a better question to ask you in a couple weeks or so when you get a chance to review a lot of the names. But do you have a personal wish list for a new GM? Like, who are some of the really good candidates out there? Oh, boy, a wish list. That would be tough. You know, I would probably go with, uh, I mean, the names that you've heard over the past few years, right? It's always, it seems to be always the same names that keep coming around. And, the one name to me that sticks out really is uh, probably Matthew Darch, who is the assistant general manager with the Tampa Bay Lightning, uh, former Columbus Blue Jacket himself. Actually, he was one of the three original players that the Blue Jackets signed in, in their inception in uh, 2000. But uh, the reason I bring it up, I know he was in the running big time uh, in Montreal. He was in a, one of the last few runner-up uh, for the job in uh Pittsburgh when they hired Cal Dubas, uh, among others. So uh, we've heard his name over the last few years in multiple spots. Uh, but uh, as of now, he's still available. So that's probably the one name that personally from, you know, being from the outside, I'm, I could think of. But as far as other candidates, I'm sure, uh, you know, uh, John Davidson's black book is my Rolodex is much larger than mine. So <laughs> I'm sure he's got plenty of candidates and this is going to be a, a decision that the team is going to probably take their times to make because, uh, you know, we just saw it with Yarmo. Yarmo was here for 11 seasons. Uh, general managers, they don't come around very often. So you want to make sure you make that decision right. Former Jacket player and current Blue Jacket analyst Jean-Luc Grandpierre joining us here on Rothman and Ice. Jean-Luc, as you know, we've got the trade deadline kind of lurking in the weeds a couple weeks away. Well, what type of activity are you expecting from this front office if you're expecting any activity at all? Uh, so that's kind of tough because typically... When a new general manager comes in, uh, they usually come in and kind of evaluate the team. They all gonna come with their set of ideas how to 
restart, retool, reconstruct a lineup and know who they need to move, who they want, would like to keep and build around. Uh, will the Blue Jackets have a general manager by the trade deadline? I have no idea because this is so fresh. But right now for John Davidson, uh, him, Basil McRae, and, uh, <clears throat> excuse me, uh, Josh Flynn are the ones that are going to be making the decision. So they pretty much have their evaluation in place, I'm sure, because they've been here for many years. So they'll move the pieces that they think. I mean, let's not kid ourselves. Blue Jackets are out of the playoffs, so it's not like they're going to be buyers at the deadline. So probably moving, you typically look at expiring contracts. That's what you like to move. So for the Blue Jackets, not too many of those as far as unrestricted free agent, aside from Jack Roslovic, probably. So, uh, you know, probably see if you can move some guys from some uh, good draft pick in return. And then if they decide to go with a bigger trade, to me, it's about finding some pieces for the future. And by the future, I don't mean in like seven, eight years. I'm talking a player that could be a big contributor on this squad in, within the next two seasons. Looking at this talented young core led by Adam Fantilli and the rest of their, their recent high draft picks, um, just how good is this young core in your estimation? Are we talking like top five in the NHL, top 10 in the NHL? Uh, I would say probably top five. Uh, I think the Anaheim Ducks is probably the team uh, in the league. Anaheim, Arizona are probably two of the teams that, if you look at the, their young core and what they have coming up, it's absolutely ridiculous as far as the skill level. Now, how will this translate to the NHL? I don't know. But the Blue Jackets are definitely in the top five. Been doing a good job with the draft over the last few years, obviously, and developing these young players. Uh, you know, there's a lot of excitement around Dayton Matejchuk coming up in the next couple of years. Uh, you have David Yerchek that's right now in Cleveland, who's going to be, you know, a top pair defenseman, you know, soon enough. So uh, I know it's hard to hear, you know, to, to you say tell people be patient but one the thing that i actually love about what the blue jackets did this year with your check is not rushing him into a prominent role with the columbus blue jackets and there, there's a reason for it and i know everybody's like hey you just had a hat trick in cleveland it's a completely different animal the american hockey league and the national hockey league and right now offensively is not the issue with David Yerchek is working on his defensive game. And, you know, being a defenseman, your number one purpose is to defend. And for Yerchek, there's certain things in his game that needs to be worked on. And the American Hockey League is the perfect place to work on it, just to get more confidence, more rep, and playing some significant minutes with, uh, with a bigger role than playing 12 to 15 minutes here at the NHL level. So I think for some Blue Jacket fans, there's always going to be a little the what if, you know, we did get Bedard. But for me, I look at Adam Fantilli and I, I see the vision. I, I see a guy that's going to be a very, very good player in this league. Watching him this year, looking at his tendencies as a player, from a former player's perspective, what do you like about Adam Fantilli and what he's going to be as a Blue Jacket? Uh, for me, one of the things with Fantilli is like... Uh, <clears throat> He's an extremely confident uh, kid, and by confident, I don't mean arrogant. Uh, he, he's very confident in his ability and his skills, and he's not, uh, he's not afraid. And by afraid, I don't mean, like, scared of traffic or anything like that. He's not tentative whatsoever. A lot of times you see young guys come in the league, and 
they're a little tentative with their decision making or whatever they need to be on the ice for Fentilli. Uh, he's a grown man and, you know, in a man's body, really. And so aside from his age, it's hard to tell that he's a 19 year old because uh, the way he plays and obviously with reps, he's going to become better. But he's a guy that seems that his confidence is never going to be shaking, it seems like. And that's one of the things you monitor as a coaching staff and as an organization as you look at your young guys developing and how do they get affected by the losing or how do they get affected with a, with a bad shift or a bad game. How do they bounce back? And for me, Fantilli, yes, there's been some high. There's, you know, there's been some lower points in the season, which is absolutely normal even with a top-end player. But for Fantilli right now, I like the way he's been developing throughout the season. And uh, it's uh, it's kind of hard to see uh, him get hurt for eight weeks like that and get that, uh, that kind of halt on his season. But he was having a good campaign until the injury in Seattle. So uh, hopefully he comes back next season. Uh, nice, strong, and ready to go again. But to me, uh, I, I was excited about his development throughout the year. I don't think it was a bad year whatsoever. John Luke, uh, Blue Jackets are going to have another High pick in the draft this year. We'll see how high. We'll see how the lottery goes. Hopefully it's number one. Um, do you have a good feel yet for the strength of this draft class? I know last year's was a super strong draft class. Is this considered a strong draft class in 2024? Uh, the, so the draft this year, and again, I don't really follow you know, all the prospects. You know, now there's a, there's a kid called Macklin Sabrini, a uh, Canadian guy that is playing over at the Boston University, I believe, or Boston College. I think it's Boston University. He's the, uh, you know, the overall, you know, right now, if the draft were to be tomorrow, since the season started, he would be the number one. Uh, the draft is supposed to be pretty strong for the top 20 players, and then I guess it falls off pretty fast, right? So it's kind of like one of those drafts where – if you have a late first round pick, a lot of teams are going to be willing to move those. But what is the real value to those? I have no idea. So for the Blue Jackets, yes, you'd love to get number one pick. I don't think uh, they're. I don't think they're going to get near that first round pick. Uh, that that first overall pick. I think the Blue Jackets are most likely going to ran, to end up between four and seven. So as far as which player will be available, I have no clue. But if we look at the trend over the last couple of years, it's a lot of centers and a lot of defensemen. So uh, for the Blue Jackets, I don't think they would go with a defenseman this year, probably with a center. So uh, we'll see what they do. But again, as far as what the, what's coming up in the draft, the difference between a lot of other sports and hockey, uh, you know, you look at hockey and the NBA is you don't have one league, you know, like let's say the NCAA to pick from. There are so many leagues, whether you talk about the Canadian League, the USHL, Europe, you know, I mean, there's there's teams everywhere playing professional and a lot of young talent, and it's a global thing, so it's much harder to keep tab on uh, all those prospects. We'll get you out of here on this one. What was your uh, you liking this news about you know our jackets playing over at the shoe in 2025 against the Red Wings? Well, listen, I, I'm seeing everything that you guys have seen, and if indeed it is happening, uh, it is super exciting. I was a little bit nervous about. The timing, but from uh, the last report I, I read, it looked like it would be in March. So, you know, a nice day in March in the shoe uh, against Detroit. Uh, it'd be hard to beat. So I'm, uh, if indeed it comes through, <laughs> we'll wait and see. Uh, I wouldn't be surprised that the league 
because I think they have the uh, outdoor game uh, next weekend uh, for the NHL. So usually the, the league kind of announces everything for the next season at those games. So uh, we'll wait for the announcement. But if indeed it happens, uh, super pumped and excited. And it's going to be quite the experiment uh, for, for everybody here in Columbus to uh, to be able to kind of have that iconic venue in the shoe and seeing the Blue Jackets play against uh, the Detroit Red Wings. So that whole Michigan-Ohio thing once again, but take it on the ice. Yeah, man. Should be a lot of fun, no doubt about it. Jean-Luc Grandpierre, we appreciate your time, man. We love talking all things Jackets with you. Thank you uh, for carving out some time for us on a busy day, man. Um, All the best to you. Thank you. All right, guys, no problem. Bye-bye. There he goes, Jean-Luc Grandpierre, Columbus Blue Jacket analyst over at Bally Sports. So very interesting coming weeks for the Blue Jackets, but more importantly, a very busy and interesting all-season on deck for the Jackets. Again, when we come back in pre-snap reads, Patrick Mahomes was again asked about the Tom Brady comparison. He spoke to Pat McAfee about that. You'll hear from him after the break. It's Rothman and Ice right here on The Fan. If you're starting your day any other way, you're doing it wrong. Morning Juice with Bobby and Beamer. Weekday starting at 6. The fan. Every fan knows the right player in the right position can be a game changer. Put LifeLock between your identity and identity thieves to monitor and alert you to threats you could miss. Plus, with a U.S.-based restoration specialist on your team, you won't have to face drained accounts, fraudulent loans, or other losses from identity theft alone. All backed by the LifeLock Million Dollar Protection Package. Change the game on identity theft. Save up to 25% your first year at LifeLock.com slash aware. Rockman and Ice present Pre-Snap Reads. Sponsored by the Low T Center. Reinventing men's health care. All right, CB, let's knock out a Bet365 bet for today. Because at Bet365, they don't do ordinary I've been looking at some of these futures for next year in the NFL, and I went over to the tab that says division of the Super Bowl winner in the second best odds behind the NFC West because, as we talked about earlier this week, the Niners are a pretty heavy favorite to win it next year. It's the AFC North, CB, our division. So I'm going to put a little coin right now on the AFC North to be the Super Bowl winner or someone from the AFC North being the Super Bowl winner next year at plus 425. The division next in line is the AFC East, which some pretty good options there with Buffalo and Aaron Rodgers bouncing back, and we'll see what the Dolphins can do. But I'm riding with our division at plus 425. It's never ordinary at Bet365. Sign up at oh.bet365.com. 21 plus only must be present in Ohio. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. And may the odds be ever in your favor. How in the world are the 49ers the favorite, not the Chiefs? I think it's because the NFC is perceived to be a little lighter. Oh, that's a good point. Than the Chiefs. The AFC, I mean... You could think about all the options in our division. Your guys stay healthy. Lamar and the Ravens stay healthy. Deshaun is a massive question mark, but the roster's legit. And if Pittsburgh messes around and gets competent to play at the quarterback position, you're going to doubt Mike T. I'm not. I'm not going to. But to your point, I think that's why. I think you nailed it because you, you know? got the Bills. You got you got so many. You got yeah. so many better teams. Right. I mean, even like I don't want to admit this, but I guess I will. I don't think he's going to do much in year one. But you know, the Chargers might be a problem. 
They do. I, you know, they, the the uh, AFC West is no joke. Um, yeah, you got to give it to Harbaugh too, man. Look, I understand we're right here in Columbus and the Michigan stuff, but I'm even zooming out from that and looking at what he did in San Francisco yes. this time in the NFL. It seems that good things follow him as far as wins and losses go when it comes to Harbaugh. Now, is there some other things baked into it on the collegiate side? Maybe so because of Mr. Styles, but hey. <laughs> I give the man respect for being a good football coach. Seriously, you look at every one of his stops, Maddie. If you just look at his record, I mean, FCS San Diego did a great job there. Yep. Stanford. I mean, yeah, he had Andrew Luck. But even before then, I mean, he upset Pete Carroll, and that was like the biggest upset in college football. Didn't have a good record, but he took over a mess at Stanford. 49ers were not good when he took over. His first year, they go to an NFC championship game. Now, some people have argued Mike Singletary would have been just fine. That team was building toward that, and Harbaugh took over a team that was getting ready to be good. Okay, but they still weren't good when he took over. He takes them to the NFC championship game the first year, takes them to the Super Bowl the next year, NFC championship game third year, then it kind of fell off his fourth year, and they parted ways. And then they were bad for several years after he left. Yeah. I hate to admit it, but then he goes out Michigan, wins a national championship. So, yeah, yeah I don't like the guy, but... You know, taking your blinders off, you got to give the man respect. To it. He's got a yeah, he's a good coach. He's got a good winning win loss record in the NFL and in college. And we've seen it's really tough to be a college coach and then go win in the NFL, but he's done it once. Those are the facts. Those are nothing but the facts. And I, I can't wait to see bids how he constructs an offense around a quarterback that is dripping with talent. Like he's the next guy in line that I think needs to have a nice amount of pressure on him to do things in the postseason and all of that. But the numbers have been good. The dude looks the part. We know the style of offenses he likes to run. And so I can't wait to find out what type of business he gets into with the running back position. And does he feel like, hey, we can invest. They're, they're picking fifth overall in the first round. Maybe you get you an offensive lineman. There's some Brock Bauer stuff. They'll definitely there. get an offensive Every time I see a mock draft that doesn't have the Chargers taking an offensive lineman, I'm like, check who their coach is. Doesn't that feel like they what he's going the, to do? I would bet, and I'm, we're, we're going to be able to bet on it. Yeah. I would, I'm going to put you know probably a nice little unit on the Chargers taking an offensive lineman. You can bet on just what position the team's going to take in the first round. Like You think the Bengals are going to take an offensive tackle, which I do at 18. I have no doubt that Harbaugh's going to take it off, and he'll get the number one offensive lineman on the board, whoever he wants at five. But most mock drafts have him going like Bowers or taking a wide receiver or a corner or this. I'm like, 100%. He's taking like either Joe Alt or the kid from Penn State or somebody. He's taking mm-hmm. an O-lineman. And I could see him falling in love with Derrick Henry, too. Yes. Because Austin Eckler's a free agent. Yes. You get an offensive lineman or two, because Corey Lindsley, I believe, is a question he's, mark he's for It's official. He's a retired yes, there. He, yeah. But I, I'm with you that I think it's going to be an offensive lineman there. We'll see what type of business he gets in with the running back role, because I think that can actually make Justin Herbert an even better quarterback by maybe taking a little bit off of his plate. One guy that can handle a lot on his plate is Patrick Mahomes. The guy has gone back-to-back years with winning a Super Bowl. I believe he just racked up his third Super Bowl MVP. The dude is touched by the the sports gods, by the football gods. He seems like he is the next guy in line. Now the conversation has moved to, is he the best of all time? Is he better than Tom Brady? Pat McAfee had him on his show, and here is 15's response to the GOAT conversation. 
Yeah, Patrick, we talked to Tom Brady two weeks ago, and we asked him about the whole conversation now where it's, you know, how close is Patrick Mahomes to Tom Brady? And actually this morning, this is a new one, haven't seen it, is Patrick Mahomes closer to Tom Brady than LeBron James is to Michael Jordan? (laughs) That's going to be every morning for the next... Sports media, baby! Probably for the rest of your life, honestly. But how do you feel when when you see those things? Is that something that you hate? Do you you love it, obviously, because you're being compared to Tom Brady, and if you're being compared to him, that means you're winning Super Bowls? Or is this one of those things like you kind of just mentioned, you just want to be, you know, the Patrick Mahomes of the NFL, not being compared to another guy. I mean, I like it because I mean, he, he's the greatest of all time, so I like uh, being compared to him. But I still have so I have so long that I have to go in my career. If you look at the longevity, the consistent greatness that he had every single year, um, all I can do is just try to continue to be the best me every single day that I have and have no regrets. And I actually heard Tom say this a, a while back, and that was his goal was just to be the best version of Tom Brady that he can be. All that other stuff kind of happens. All that other stuff kind of comes with it if you continue to work hard and and uh, continue to get great teammates around you. But I've been blessed, man. I've been blessed to be in a great organization with great players. Um, and if I can just continue to work the way that I work, I'll have no regrets about however my career ends. He could walk away right now and have no regrets. But I'm glad he mentioned that last part because it's been a bit of a perfect storm for him when you think of what he stepped into the amount of time he was able to sit for a little bit because Alex Smith, and then you hand it over to him, and you got Andy Reid, Tyreek Hill, Travis Kelsey, and away we go. The dude's an all-timer, man. I just think the ghost stuff's a little premature for me. Yeah, it's he's not there yet, but what's scary about it, if you're a fan of a team in the AFC like we are, and you feel like your team's actually pretty good, has a chance, man, the scary thing is this guy is only 28. He's not even close to done, as we know. He's committed to football. He's all about football, mm-hmm. you know? He, um, they're not going anywhere, man. And Andy Reid's now saying, I'm not even thinking about retirement. I thought he might ride off in the sunset and not so much. So, and, and Mahomes, I kind of wish he wasn't such a good guy. I say that in Jess. He, he, it's hard to dislike him. He's the guy keeping us from, you know, the promised land in the AFC. And he, he's such a likable guy. And he will, I think there's a good chance. And I never thought this was possible after Brady won his seventh. I think there's a chance he might go down as the goat one day. And I don't think necessarily, I mean, you might disagree with this. I don't think necessarily he has to win seven to be the GOAT. Uh, it would depend. You have to get at least close. But, um, man, if he gets to, like, six Super Bowls and plays at this level and does the things that he does, the superhuman stuff, it'd be hard for me to say that Tom Brady was better than him. But he still has to get there. He's, he's got to at least to go. get close, and he probably will. He's on, that, he's on that path, man. He's already on the Hall of Fame freeway. He is already in the Hall of Fame fast lane. That is stamped. It's just about... How many cherries on top are we putting on this Sunday when we get to the end of the road? And just the chapters after Andy Reid and Travis Kelsey, what does that look like? Who's his next head coach and all those things? But individual talent alone, I mean, you're hard-pressed to find a better guy than him. And to your point, he is the gatekeeper on our side of things. And uh, unfortunately, Bids, I found out the hard way this year when we hosted the (laughs) AFC title game. And he came into our shop and... uh, took everything those are our pre-snap reads for today when we come back dan dock college basketball analyst he's gonna hop on to talk holtman and a lot more it's rothman and ice right here on the fan if your idea of the perfect radio show is all buckeyes all the time then it's your lucky day slappy the buckeye show weeknights at six the f- every fan knows the right player in the right position can be a game changer Put LifeLock between your identity and identity thieves to monitor and alert you to threats you could miss. Plus, with a U.S.-based restoration specialist on your team, you won't have to face drained accounts, fraudulent loans, or other losses from identity theft alone. All backed by the LifeLock Million Dollar Protection Package. 
Change the game on identity theft. Save up to 25% your first year at lifelock.com slash aware. Thoughtfully discussing the merits of Home Run Inn's frozen pizza. This is Rothman and Ice. And all right, welcome back in to Rothman and Ice. We do it every week at this time. We talk all things college basketball with our guy, Double D, Dan Dockers. Dan, welcome back in, man. How you feeling? Hey, how was Vegas? Everything good? Apparently not. Apparently we have a cash. <laughs> Vegas for me was incredible. CB, I think absolutely enjoyed it. Hey, I think AR actually enjoyed it as well. But he is—he's uh, on IR. He's on the IR list right now. He's down and out, probably for the next couple of days, man. So you got to uh, say a prayer for our guy, man, because he's not feeling too well. Yeah, the Vegas flu. He's not the first. He won't be the last. You know, that's just the way. It's hard. All right, let's get down to brass tacks. I mean, this came down yesterday right at the beginning of our show. I know how much respect you have for Coach Holtman, but as you know, as a former coach yourself that's been around this sport for a while, it's a results-based business. So your reaction when you heard the news that Ohio State and Chris Holtman were parting ways? Uh, Sad, because you you, you talked about it. I mean, my son played for him. I take a bullet for the man. I I love him. I love his family. What he did for me and my son after Andrew graduated, something I'm not going to really get into, but I just have an immense amount of respect for Chris, and I was praying for him. Uh, I hope his family's okay. I think that one of the things that uh, he doesn't know he caught a break. Like he wakes up this morning, he's going to get a ton of money and the way the world is going to be lifted off his shoulders. I've told coaches this forever and they always balk at it. And then about two years later, they're like, you know, Dan, you were right. That's the greatest thing ever happened to me. But let's talk about the program. It, you know, you, your ego gets crushed. I, it just does. It, it, Maddie, it just, it just gets crushed. You, you, you know, you think everybody, you're going to win national championship. And you know what? Next thing you know, somebody tells you, we don't want you to lead the program that you've led and somebody else is going to do it. And we think they're better than you. And that is crushing. And you got to get over that as a, as a man. Um, you don't really, you don't think about that. I had a long talk with Seth Greenberg when he came to ESPN about that very thing. In fact, I included his daughters in it and tried to explain it to him. But you know what? As you said, you got to win. Didn't win enough. And when you don't win enough at a school like Ohio State or anywhere, really, um, you know, they're going to look for the next guy, and uh, it'll be interesting to see. I personally, I know how – hey, look, I, I know how this goes. Oh, man, you know what? Chris Holtman's a great guy. Okay, who's going to be the next coach? Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. I mean, that's the way, yeah. that's the way it goes. Uh, but sad, sad that a man of great integrity is out, but he'll have a great life, and Ohio State will move on. You're right about that. You're right about that, Dan. I couldn't wait to get your opinion on like the expectation level for this program. We know for the football program, for the most part, it's it's national championship or bust for a lot of people. But from your perspective, Double D, like, what do you think the expectation level should be for the Ohio State basketball program? You know, it's so tough. You know, what I didn't realize I, every time we came here with Coach Knight, or every time we came with Indiana, it was a packed house. I didn't realize this place in Michigan, how few times that actually happens. Like, I think in Andrews here, they went 15-3, and three and they had one sold-out game, and that was against Michigan State, who was number one in the country. But having said that, your expectations have to be national champion. Like, I always look at it, if they hired me tomorrow, what am I saying? I'm saying national championship. I'm saying final fours. It has to be. Because there's nothing about Ohio State, including the state. The state has unbelievable high school programs, fantastic 
AAU programs, men of great character, coaching kids, kids from what, what kind of kid do you want? You want an inner city kid? You got that. You want a country kid? You got that. You want a, you want a basketball town? Go to Zanesville. You want, I don't know, man. You, you know, you just got every single thing that you could possibly want. Uh, I'm assuming, you know, Urban and I talked a long time about what a great place it is, should be for NIL money. I know it's not football. I know you get dwarfed by football. But you know what? There's room for both. So you're asking me, I'm coming in there as a coach. I'm coming in there as an assistant coach. I'm coming in there as a director of operations. I got to tell you, I'm thinking national championship, period. There's just not many schools that have what Ohio State has. And I'm, I'm talking about the school itself, but the recruiting area, like, Coach Knight and I used to say Michigan, Illinois, and Ohio State, three best jobs in the Big Ten because you really don't have to leave your state to get a great team together every year, every year. So that's that's the way I look at it. I hear you. I hear you. We're talking all things college basketball with our guy, Dan Dockage. You touched on this earlier that, you know, we immediately go to what's next, and that's just the world we live in um, right now in the sports world. A couple names that maybe popped up in your mind that you think could be good fits for this program moving forward. Who are some of those guys? Well, I'll tell you, if I were uh, Gene Smith or the new guy, I would already have made contact some way, somehow with a couple guys. I, Lamont Paris is a guy that I really like. I've known Lamont for 100 years, Ohio guy. He's doing, I know he got his ass beat last night, but he's doing a great, not a good, a great job at uh, uh, South Carolina. And he is a wonderful dude that can go in and recruit and be energetic and plays a great style. I would have already reached out to him. I would have reached out to Chris Beard. I would have reached out to Brad Stevens. Uh, I would have reached out to Jay Wright. I want to see. You know, one of the things that I've always said, if you're going to be an athletic director, and I did this as a head coach, I had a list of guys that I wanted to hire as assistant coaches. I saw them on the road. I liked how they reacted. I liked who they recruited. And it's the same thing as an AD, top right drawer, man. I got to have a list of guys. I'm paying attention. I want to know who am I going to hire if and when this thing goes south. And those are the things that you do. I'll give you a story. Steve Alford was at Iowa. And it was about this time of year. I get a call from the athletic director, Paul Krebs, who was actually at Ohio State at one point. He's the athletic director at New Mexico. He says, hey, Dan, he goes, can you reach out to Steve and see if he would leave Iowa and come to New Mexico? I've got a great deal for him, blah, 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 blah. I knew Steve was unhappy. So I called Steve. He's like, absolutely. So that's what I mean. And they ended up meeting like a week later during the season at a, at a hotel somewhere in Dallas, that kind of thing. That stuff goes on all the time. I want to know if I'm Gene Smith or I'm the new guy, who, who is out there that I can hire? And I've already started the process through a third party. I happen to be the third party in this particular case, but third parties, you know, are, are these, uh, are these search firms? Third parties can be a friend, third party, like I was with Steve. So that's what I'm saying, guys. Those are the guys that I would reach out to already. Yeah. I mean, I'm telling you right now, I, I would have already done this probably two, three days before I made the decision on Chris. Makes a lot of sense. Makes a lot of sense right there. Double D, let's zoom out from Ohio State stuff, but stay in the Big Ten Conference. And I'm going to take Zach Eady off the board, but you can start a team right now with any other player in the oh. Big Ten, and you can't pick Zach Eady. Who is Double D starting his team with oh. right now? You know, I'm going to forget somebody, but all right, this is called recency bias. You know what recency bias is? <laughs> yes. I just... I just was at the Indiana-Purdue game, 
And the game's going along, Maddie. And all of a sudden, Gabe Cup starts talking to Braden Smith. Now, I don't know if he's talking trash. I don't know if he's asking about his mom. I don't know, right? <laughs> but I know this. Braden Smith goes gets four buckets and an and one in the next three and a half minutes. So I'm sitting there going, hey, Cups, shut your dumb ass up. Don't wait. And I'm thinking to myself, I'll take Braden Smith on my team today, uh, tomorrow, and, and the next day. I just – I, but it's recency, right? Yeah. It's like, all right, you know, who, who's doing it for you? Now, I'll tell you this. I don't think there's guys in the Big Ten. I, I, I don't think there's pros. Like, I'm sure you got somebody that you would take, but I'm looking around, and I, I'm like, would I draft him? You know, used to be in the Big Ten, and I know times have changed. I know the Euros are in here, and I know all that stuff. But honest to God, I I look at it, and I'm I, would you draft anybody? I, I'm just eating. I mean, I'm just saying, I, I, he used to be Chris Webber, Jimmy Jackson, Lawrence Funderburg, Calvert Chaney. Now it's like, oh, Braden Smith, I guess, pretty good. Yeah, I, I see the flashes from Shannon up there at Illinois. Like, I, you, yeah. you, you tap yeah. into him every once in a while. You're like, okay, yeah. th- there's something there with him, I think. I don't disagree with that. Uh, I don't disagree with that at all. Like, I'm watching Iowa play the other day, and nobody. I'm watching, the, you know, Wisconsin's supposed to be pretty good. And, you know, I, I okay. I mean, I know they got that, that transfer kid that's pretty good, but – I'm I'm watching, and your question is so good because I'm racking my brain right now going, all right, who would I really take? Because if I'm going to win a national championship, I don't know if Braden Smith's going to win me. One night he could, but I just don't. I, I'm telling you, man, I, I look at Lee. Urban Meyer is, is the smart. I always go back to him because he said something about coaching football. He said, okay, we get these, we get these five-star guys, and I punish my coaches if – the five-star guys don't become first-round draft choices because that's how you gauge whether you made them good over three years, four years. And that's the way I look at the league. That's the way I look at the Big Ten. And maybe I'm wrong. Maybe the basketball has gotten so different, young kids in there. But I look at who in the hell would I draft, and I swear to you, I hate to say this, Big Ten's fun. Coaches are great. Players play hard. It's well-scouted. I just don't see a lot of guys that I would take. I just don't, I don't see any. I fair. really don't. Oh, that's fair. That that's fair. Is it? Do you think it is? Yeah, I, I think it is. Old guy I, I know. I think it is because I'm seeing the same thing that you're saying. I don't think there's anybody that if you're an NBA scout, you're running back to your owner or your GM and saying, "I feel I'm right. stamping this guy as an absolute stud right. that I think we should draft." I'm not seeing it either. Double D. That's that's it. Like I, I saw this kid. He's a freshman. His name is Jay Ivey. You know, he's going to be really good. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah. Like, like no I'm sitting there going. Because you ask a great question. Because, again, that's how I kind of judge leagues. Like, who's got pros? Because pros, there used to be a thing in the NCAA tournament. I don't know if it's still true or not. But you had to have three first-round draft choices or three pros to win the NCAA tournament. And, like, for years, you could go back to every team. I think our Indiana team in 87 was, like, the outlier because we didn't have that. But everybody else had three NBA guys. So that's how I've always judged it. And – I, I hate to say it, but I just don't see it in the Big Ten. I don't know if it's because recruiters aren't good in the Big Ten. The game is different. They don't have the money. They're not paying. I don't know. Yeah, I don't see. I'm with you on that. Devil D, we always appreciate your time, man, chopping it up about all things college basketball. We'll hit you up next week. Thank you.
Patty, I love talking to you, brother. Thanks for having me. See you later. See you, man. See you, my man. Dale D right there talking all things college basketball. We will hit the finish line of the show next. We'll tell the truth. It's Rothman and Ice right here on The Fan. Common man and T-bone are idiots. You should listen to them anyway. Weekdays from 3 to 6. The Fan, Ohio's idiot destination. Every fan knows the right player in the right position can be a game changer. Put LifeLock between your identity and identity thieves to monitor and alert you to threats you could miss. Plus, with a U.S.-based restoration specialist on your team, you won't have to face drained accounts, fraudulent loans, or other losses from identity theft alone. All backed by the LifeLock Million Dollar Protection Package. Change the game on identity theft. Save up to 25% your first year at LifeLock.com slash aware. Tell the truth with Rothman and Ice. All right, CB, you got that beautiful Vegas hat on, man. It's um, I'm missing it, big dog. I'm missing it. You had your chance. I did. I was over there, you know, looking at the rock. I was smelling what he was cooking, man, at the WWE press conference. All right, what do you got I for us? I think you today? might have had a better time than me, but I'm just guessing there. <laughs> uh, first question, we, t- we discussed that game in between the Jackets and the Red Wings happening next year on March 1st in the shoe. Reportedly, I don't think it's actually official yet, but tell the truth. Are you concerned about maybe the possible weather situation when that game comes? Um... I'm a little concerned, but there is there are people that are going to be involved in this thing that are a lot smarter than I am when it comes to dealing with this. And I have to imagine they have some type of plan in place to where if it's, I don't know, 60 plus degrees on March 1st, you know, just throwing that out there, that they can find a way to still get this thing rolling and the ice will be okay. So it's a slight concern for me right now, but more than anything, Bids, I'm just excited to see the shoe in that type of vibe you know and that type of structure with the hockey game going on we've seen concerts and obviously football games and maybe some other things but this is going to be cool man i'm excited about it we've had such a nice february weather-wise i've been it's felt like spring pretty much the whole month that now we're like ah is it is it gonna be too warm on march 1st (laughs) now maybe it will be but i am not worried about it i mean i would say problem i want to have but i don't want to have that problem because i want the uh i want that uh event to be outstanding but i am not worried about it no the truth. All right, Matty Ice always says his favorite thing in the world is to get paid to go away and not do something he was currently doing. That is the case with the buyout of Mr. Holtman. It is around $12.8 million. My question to you is, when that hits your bank account in the direct deposit, what is your first purchase? Hmm. Does paying off my mortgage count as a purchase? I'll just pay off my house. Smart. Like, seriously, like, I'm like, what? Like, maybe halfway there? I don't know. That's definitely fair. (laughs) Okay, that counts. I've already technically bought the house. The bank said, no, you haven't technically bought the house yet. (laughs) I would pay off my mortgage. That is the responsible thing to do. You're a better man than me because I'm going to do something non-responsible here. This sounds more fun, though. I am going to probably, let's go to, like, Italy, CB. Oh, Nice. Rent out a nice little mansion over there for a while and just drive your Maserati around or your Lamborghini whatever or whatever. I, whatever I, at that point, it's whatever I want. Whatever you money, want. You know what I'm saying? So I'd probably go over to Italy, eat good, enjoy the view, enjoy the vibes, and uh, just not worry about anything. Didn't Cliff Kingsbury say he was going to do that same exact thing or he did that same exact thing? I, I believe. think he went to like Thailand yeah. or something like See, that. See, that's what you do. Oh, you just. One night in Bangkok oh, <laughs> makes a tough guy crumble. You better be careful. <laughs> I'm off the grid. I got plenty of money in my pocket, and the world is in my hands, CB. So I would just try to escape the world for a little bit of time and go over to a uh, country that cooks up some good food and enjoy myself. Did you say I know my truth? 
I know my truth. All right, your daily fan poll. It's sponsored by ER Auto Care, Masters of Our Craft. The question is, where will Ohio State's Ned next head basketball coach come from? Will it be the high major conferences, the mid-majors, current Ohio State staff member, or the NBA? I'm going with other because you know who I'm about to say. I can give him some of my paycheck if need be. You go get Coach K, okay? We're getting Mike Krzyzewski <laughs> to come out of retirement. You heard from Stephen Bardo earlier. He said, I don't care who you are. If Ohio State comes a-calling, you're at least going to listen. So that is my unrealistic answer. Yeah, exactly. My realistic Hey, CB, you can borrow some of your money, too. You're employee of the year, big dog. You got some extra money Ooh, to yeah. throw around. I am going to go with the high major level. I think we're getting a coach from the high major category. What do you think, Bits? I'm with you. I mean, I'd be contradicting myself if I said anything else because I've been on the Lamont Paris train. Yep. Um, now, I think you got to consider multiple candidates, obviously, but um, I really would like to see Lamont Paris. Paris, he's got he's from Ohio, played college basketball in Ohio at Wooster, Big Ten ties, longtime assistant at Wisconsin under Bo Ryan and doing a good job at South Carolina. So I'm going to say Lamont Paris, so a high major. But that being said, I won't be surprised if it's somebody from the mid-major like a the guy at Indiana State or the guy at, you know, FAU, something like that. But I, I'm going to go with high major in Lamont Paris. You don't want the truth. You make up your own truth. A little dusty, May. You might have to be in a race with Indiana for him. That's That'll true. Be fun. That's true. Uh, next question. What was the best move of the Yarmo tenure with the Jackets? Best move. Panarin jumps to my mind. Is that where you're at? Like I, I even though it was two years and they didn't, they didn't get anything for him, that that would be hard to beat. The one that I might throw out there, and this story is not written yet because the prospects they got, but like the Seth Jones trade was great. Yeah, that's good. They one. got basically got Kent Johnson out of that deal. They got other picks as well. I'd have to go back and look at it. And then they got a, a pick for the future. The next year's draft, they got like two first round picks, a second round pick, and some guys in the trade as well. They absolutely ripped off the the. Blackhawks in that trade. I don't know, though. Panarin's the best player I've seen for the Jackets. I'll, I'll go with you with Panarin, but the Seth Jones being trade being a close second. I can't lie! Final question. I couldn't believe this was on my site for Would You Rathers. It seems pretty easy to me, but I'll let you figure it out. Would you rather be 20 or 40 for the rest of your life? Oh, wow. You, I mean, the easy answer is 20, but I actually had um, I've had more fun in my 40s, and they're not over yet, guys. I still got three more years, but uh, they're, they're creeping up on me. But I've actually oddly had more fun in my 40s, dare I say, than my 20s because I was so broke in my 20s. So give me, a, give me my 40s. That's a major factor is the it finances. Is. 20s, yes. you can have all the fun stuff where you can you know drink and wake up the next day and drink again and all of that. You got a little less responsibility. But now that I'm in my mid-30s, CB, 40 seems like it's going to be an all right time. So I'm going to go with 40, big dog. Before we leave, if you miss Stephen Bardo, if you miss Jared Dubin, if you miss Jean-Luc Grandpierre talking about the breaking news that involved the Jackets today, wherever you get your podcast, type in Rothman and Ice, and we will be there waiting for you. Bids, appreciate your time. I don't know if I'll see you tomorrow, but as always, man, I loved rocking out with you. Same with you, Ice Man. Really appreciate it. CB, great job on the board. Folks, thanks so much for your time. We will be back tomorrow at high noon. It's been Rothman and Ice right here on The Fan. Big voice guy here to remind you that you're listening to The Fan, Ohio Sports Desk. Destination. Okay, thanks. I have three more seconds. Uh, bye-bye. Peace, 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 peace.
is a fan action update. This action update is brought to you by ESPN Bet. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. While it was a big OSU men's hoops day yesterday with the firing of Chris Holtman, the Ohio State women's basketball team knocks off Nebraska for the 12th win in a row. Ohio State was a 13.5 point favorite on ESPN Bet. Buckeyes are currently still 33-1 to to win the national championship despite being the number two ranked team in the country. For your ESPN Bet action update, I'm Scotty Vegas. Every fan knows the right player in the right position can be a game changer. Put LifeLock between your identity and identity thieves to monitor and alert you to threats you could miss. Plus, with a U.S.-based restoration specialist on your team, you won't have to face drained accounts, fraudulent loans, or other losses from identity theft alone. All backed by the LifeLock Million Dollar Protection Package. Change the game on identity theft. Save up to 25% your first year at LifeLock.com slash aware. Casting from the Lindsay Honda Studios. Honda makes the cars. Lindsay makes the difference. Visit lindsayhonda.com. WBNSFM HD1 Columbus. The Fan. Good afternoon. I'm Paul Keels. The Blue Jackets today dismissed general manager Yarmo Kekalainen, who bid John the job for 11 seasons. A difficult year on the ice, which has Columbus the worst record in the East Conference, combined with the messy hiring and removal of Mike Babcock, seem to have been the major factors. The announcement made today by team president John Davidson. Our fans, who year in and year out, proved to be the best in the world, have been remarkably supportive, and they deserve nothing less. Davidson will take over the general manager duties. Jackets next play Saturday at San Jose. Golf opening round of the Genesis Invitational at Riviera in California. Jordan Speed, Patrick Cantlay, and Will Zalatoris, a two-stroke lead at minus five. Meanwhile, tournament host Tiger Woods is at even par. This update brought to you by Nature Stone. Schedule your free cost estimate today at Nature Stone. It's not just a floor. Wow, it's Nature Stone. Breaking sports news when it happens on the fan. Ohio sports destination. Every fan knows the right player in the right position can be a game changer. Put LifeLock between your identity and identity thieves to monitor and alert you to threats you could miss. Plus, with a U.S.-based restoration specialist on your team, you won't have to face drained accounts, fraudulent loans, or other losses from identity theft alone. All backed by the LifeLock Million Dollar Protection Package. Change the game on identity theft. Save up to 25% your first year at LifeLock.com aware.